Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. The mayor talks about the temperatures plunging uh, in some parts of the country down to 8 degrees, they're saying. We'll get higher than that. They're calling it bright and freezy. Actually, it's a day for the headlines today in the papers. I mean, particularly the red tops. Fill your boots. Sports fans can pack out the stadiums again. Late bars and clubs back from Friday and these restricted opening, sorry, these restricted closing times on pubs are gone uh, from Friday with uh, the later rules applying again. Um, but um, some of the interesting headlines include Party On in the Front of the Sun where they've superimposed Leo and Michal Martin's heads onto the bodies uh, of um, the lads from Wayne's World, one with an electric guitar and one with a drum kit. Um, at the same time, of course, we get warned about cases hitting a 10-month high at 2.4 thousand positives. Uh, I know the pressure's on ICU, but thankfully, deaths are way, way down. In fact, it's even hard to find out how many people's lives are being lost these days. Copper face masks is a front page from the star today. An unbelievable confusion. I mean, it just, you'd want to weep, actually, if you try and wade your way through the confusion between, say, for instance, a nightclub, an indoor live venue that has music, uh, it might make make more sense to actually go uh, and eat at a live venue with a band. There probably are probably less rules applying. But Copper Face Masks makes this morning's um, uh, star front page. Um, fuming publicans, more, more bars will remain closed if the restrictions remain, is a story from the star. Whereas other publicans are saying they're relieved that they can just be allowed to stay open. Uh, there'd be no capacity limit on indoor or outdoor events. Uh, giving major sporting events and concerts uh, the green light, apparently. Uh, so you can see where the confusion is even there. There'll be no capacity limit on indoor or outdoor events. You can understand outdoor events having limitless capacity. In fact, uh, that'd be for everybody, an outdoor event or a match, for instance. Uh, you know, people vaccinated or unvaccinated. Nightclub owners, according to the Times, are said to be excited about opening on Friday, but confused as to what they can actually do. Like, for instance, you... Um, you, you can go into a nightclub, but you can't go up to the bar and order a drink. It's table service, um, assuming you got somewhere to sit in the nightclub. But you can go on to the dance floor and dance and, I suppose, snog or do whatever it is you want to do. Certainly dance on a nightclub dance floor <coughs> without a mask. So nights of chaos ahead, says this morning's examiner front page. And they talk, many of the papers talk with lots of people who are stakeholders in the industry. Like, for instance, the booking events manager, Owen uh, O'Hearn outside Cypress Avenue. Photograph of him this morning with a long list of, of bookings up on the wall. Calls it a devastating day for live music. Um, they, like he says, that this will allow for full capacity for indoor and outdoor live events but will require the audience at gigs to be seated. People can only stand or dance at their seats at these venues. Not at, not on the seat, but with the seat, I suppose. Maybe dancing with your seat. However, nightclubs allowing dancing unmasked and table service will still be required for hospitality venues other than nightclubs. So it seems as if the virus behaves differently in a nightclub than it does in a, an indoor live music event or in an indoor pub. And then um, the director of manager of Dwyer's of Cork, Chris Weldon, makes the examiner as well, saying that the capacity issue will massively impact the jazz festival. So that's the deal for you with yesterday's announcement. And you could even, watching the press conference yesterday, you could even see that certainly Michal Martin was trying to wade his way through the anomalies here, saying they'll have to be ironed out, they'll have to be worked out. But, I mean, today is Wednesday. And if you were thinking that other countries weren't having the same kind of 
arguments or division as we are with regards to vaccinated and unvaccinated. It was reported in the Financial Times, it was reading yesterday, that protesters are on the streets in Italy now expressing their anger. In Italy, they've introduced mandatory workplace COVID-19 health passes and it will require all workers to show a green pass that proves they've either been fully vaccinated or have tested negative for coronavirus within the past 48 hours. So I suppose they have to keep on doing either PCRs or antigen tests, but they need a green pass to go to work, and the Italians are freaking over that. Yet another settlement in our courts, and again involving the CUMH. I'm speaking with the mam of a, a young child earlier in the week with a €20 million euro payout. The Echo this morning speaks of an €8 million euro payout for a little girl by the name of Kathleen Toomey from Ballancolic. She settled her legal action um, against the HSC CUMH for eight million, and her senior counsel, a man who um, is very, very deft and, and very able, and deals with this an awful lot of the time. That's the senior counsel, John O'Mahony, represents a lot of families in this regard down through the years. He said that little Kathleen um, has cerebral palsy, is unable to safely walk unaided, and can only say some words. Now she's um, she's. Uh, he also goes on to say that by the time she was seven years of age, this little girl had only two words. The words were go and dad. She's profoundly disabled and requires 24-7 care. Now, with regards to that, the uh, CUMH did apologise to the family, and that makes the front and inside pages of The Echo today. Papers also talk, and I'll come back to this in a few minutes' time, to the, uh, to the story of Nancy Spain's pub on Barrick Street. Six skeletons found uh, demolished under... Uh, sorry, buried under that demolished pub. No more on that, because I will talk to Owen English in a moment. And uh, as people... Get mortgages and longer mortgages or later in life. Uh, this morning, the examiner said that 27%, over a quarter of people going forward, will actually be paying back their mortgage into retirement. Uh, in fact, the figure is nearly 800,000 will be making mortgage or rental payments after they have actually retired, after the age of, of 66. And there's some lovely colour stories making the papers today. My Way by Frank Sinatra used to be the top funeral song, apparently. It's been knocked off the top of the funeral charts uh, by You'll Never Walk Alone. So here is your swan song top ten, if you like. You'll Never Walk Alone, be Jerry and the Pacemakers. Sinatra's My Way. Always look on the bright side of life from Monty Python. Simply the best from Tina Turner. Uh, supermarket Flowers from Ed Sheeran. Time to Say Goodbye by Bocelli and Brightman. The Chain from Fleetwood Mac. That's an interesting one. Um, uh, Somewhere Over the Rainbow by Eva Cassidy. Uh, we'll Meet Again by Dame Vera Lynn. And This Is Me by Keely uh, Settle uh, the, from The Greatest Showman. Great song there. Great show, The Greatest Showman. showman. But that's what it is. And uh, maybe if you're thinking about a song uh, for your uh, final departure, um, you'll never walk alone. I don't... <laughs> I can't... I get so much trouble anytime Liverpool do well and I end up, you know, the divisiveness between, you know, a, a Liverpool anthem or any other team's anthem on this programme is amazing. This is one. And you will start again now. The text will start again. You're always the same. Text 0868104106 to, um, uh, to share your annoyance or your happiness. And this was, of course, the number one. Yes, there were times I'm sure you knew When I bit off 
man. So what about you'll always never, or sorry, always look on the bright side of life. That's a cracker, isn't it? Well, I mean, you can just see people kind of jiving in the seats as the coffins going down the middle of the church. Or John Evangelis, I find my way home. I'm thinking about that a lot when I'm going into the crematorium and they start turning up the gas burners. That might be a winner. Anyway, I hope you don't find that a particularly depressing way to start the program this morning. Anyway, lines open on one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text 0868104106. But as mentioned earlier on, Owen English from the Irish Examiner has been front and centre of this story since it began to unve- unveil itself. And this is Nancy Spain's on Barrack Street. They must be demolishing it or doing work there. And while doing it, they discovered a skeleton. Well, I can tell you they found uh, six skeletons now at this stage. And Owen English joins me uh, from the uh, offices of the Irish Examiner. Owen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. What's going on uh, under the old Nancy Spains? What's your understanding of it? Well, that's the, the million-dollar question, Neil. Um, what was going on here? Um, we now know that we have uh, the remains of six people found under the former pub. Um we broke the story, uh, it'll be two weeks ago tomorrow, that uh, one skeleton had been found or, or a partial skeleton had been found by builders who were working on the site. They're, they're working on a 32-unit social housing project for Cork City Council. And to, to build the houses, they had to demolish the, the former Nancy Spain's pub. And they took down the roof and the walls and they lifted the floorboards and they lifted the concrete slab beneath it and because the area is in a zone of what they call archaeological potential, the area up around Barrick Street is effectively, or was effectively, the uh, the suburbs of the medieval city of Cork. Um, the city council required that uh, a consultant archaeologist be on site for the groundwork stage of the housing project. Yeah. So when the diggers went in to, to, to do the groundworks, they found that the soil conditions under the pub were beginning to change and they switched to hand excavation. And it was during that hand excavation uh, Thursday, two weeks ago, that they found the partial remains of one skeleton. So the consultant archaeologist halted the work. He called the city archaeologist, who in turn alerted the authorities, including the coroner and the guardie. Guards arrived at the scene, they sealed it off, and they did a forensic examination to determine if they were dealing with a potential criminal case or if they were dealing with something else. And following a visual inspection, they were able to determine that the bones were uh, at least 70 years old, possibly 100 years old, which is the crucial time limit for Gardaí, that if the bones are older than 70 or 80 years old, it's no longer a criminal matter as far as they're concerned and it's deemed an archaeological find. Right. So they, they left the bones in situ. The archaeologists uh, recorded them in situ and they continued doing this hand excavation in the area around the skeleton and uh, we checked back in with them uh, yesterday just to see how they were getting on and what else did they find. And we got confirmation that they found the skeletal remains of five other people in that immediate area. Now, I, I have information that some of the uh, skeletons were found possibly with their hands either bound or tied behind their backs. But the um, city archaeologist, Kira Brett, hasn't confirmed one way or the other whether that's correct or not. She said it's going to take a long time to interpret the bones and, and the positions in which they were found. But there, there's, a, there's a real archaeological mystery here now as to... Um, 
how exactly old these bones are and how they came to to be under Nancy Spain's pub yes, all these years. Yes, okay, so you say, some source tells you that some of them could have had their hands tied behind their back. Would that signify that they were hanged? Possibly, Neil, yeah. Now, um, my understanding is that they haven't, the archaeologists haven't yet been able to identify any signs of what they call trauma on on the bones. There are no arrow marks or bullet holes or um, any of that kind of thing visible. And I know that in, in at least one of the cases, there was no skull found on the site. So whether these were people who were, were hanged and then buried in this area or whether they had their heads chopped off, Neil, and were buried in this Mother area, uh, we, we don't know. Well, it's a fascinating yeah. spot there because of the location, because it's near the Elizabethan fort, which was used for the siege of Cork, and it was also Cromwellian, and we all know about Cromwell. I mean, he was a butcher, so who knows? I mean, th- th- this this precedes the pub anyway, doesn't it? It does, yeah. They've been able to confirm that the, that the remains do predate, that, that they were in the ground before the building was built and before it became a pub. They've also been able to um, say with pretty much good certainty that the remains are 18th century, which would put them between the years 1700s and 1800s, uh, and that they, they could, in fact, be even older. Uh, now, what they have to do next is that the, some of the bones are still in situ up there. Uh, they're arranging for their careful removal under licence from the National Monuments Service. They'll be taken away for uh, a detailed examination by a human bone specialist, and they're going to try and take samples from some of the bones and subject them to radiocarbon dating to see if they can put an age on them. And I think what do you mean when you say age? You say how old the, they've been there, or how old the, how old the people were? Uh, how how old did the bones are? How, how old you know? How, how long have they been in the ground? Basically, there's another technique that they can use that will be able to determine how old the bones actually were when the person died. Gotcha, but. That kind of work takes a long time. Now, I was talking to um, the city archaeologist last night, and she was saying that if if, they're, if they have found teeth, if if they if they can find skulls, and if they have found teeth in those skulls, they might even be able to tell what those people were eating, whether they smoked a clay pipe, and that will also help uh, date these bones to a particular period in Irish history. So whether we can put them around the time of the siege of Cork yeah. uh, or, or or later um, remains to be seen. But we we they're pretty confident that they're not as old as the Viking era. Uh, Viking era. Um, so we're, we're probably talking around the 16, 1700s era, Neil. That's what they... That's so what that they would get it around the siege of Cork and the Cromwellians and things like that, wouldn't it? Exactly. And whether they were prisoners on one side or the other Correct. that were executed and then buried in a grave here remains to be seen. But it's a, it's a, it's a remarkable find. Well, it is in a very historic and, area, isn't it? Yeah, it's one of Cork's oldest streets, and it's just um, it's uh, just just up the road from where the Vikings sailed in and established the original Cork city down there by the South Cape Bridge. And and as as we were told, as we were told last night, and um, you know this part of the city was like the suburbs of the medieval city. So there would have been a lot of settlement in that area around yeah. the 1600s, 1700s. Uh, and I suppose what people are trying to find out now is, you know, who were these people? Uh, how did they live? Um, and if possible, can they find out how they died? Um, and, I, you know, it's just one of those stories, I mean, I think it's kind of captured a lot of it people's has. imagination. It you has. Know, anyone who, who had a pint in the pub, remember when pubs were open and you were able to go in for a pint, or <laughs> anyone who saw a live band in, in, a, in Nancy Spain, 
um, who knew that they were they what, were enjoying their night the out, uh, dancing yeah. on the graves of uh, of at least six people. Yeah, dance. Yeah, um, actually, forensic science is so advanced now that those skeletal remains will talk in some way, shape, or fashion, won't they? Uh, but it's probably halted the the actual build now, has it? Has it stopped uh, construction or everything? Well, for temp- temporarily, yeah, they stopped doing the major groundworks in that particular area just behind the facade of the pub just for the last couple of days while they were searching the area for more human remains. But the work continued on the far side of the site over by the former Quinn Ryan pub. Uh, and the archaeological work will finish by the end of this week. Um, the bones will be removed. And I think it's uh, back to the building work then. And uh, the work will continue to deliver 32 social housing units on the site. Now, the, the work of the human bone experts um, and the archaeologists is going to continue in a laboratory setting and that kind of science work takes a couple of months so it'll probably be some time before they're able to shed any more light on the the Nancy Spain bones but we do know that they are uh, that they predate the building that they're 18th century possibly uh, possibly earlier Uh, but like I said you know it's just a question of um, will they be able to tell us how these people lived and and how they died Indeed and of course you will uh, keep in touch on that one I hope and we'll follow it in the Irish exam don't forget incidentally that further up that road on the right hand side was the Gallows Green uh, closer to uh, kind of Nancy Spain's further up there and there's a pub up there called the Gallows isn't there? Yeah, up around the Greenmount area, and um, yeah, there's a lot of history in the area. Um, just the, the question is, will the archaeologists be able to put a definitive date on the bones to put them around the time that the Gallows Green area was in use as an execution facility? That's it. Um, and unfortunately, we're just going to have to wait a couple of weeks before the archaeologists can say, yeah, we definitely now know that these bones are from that era. But there's a there was a lot of interest last week when, when we sort of first reported on this, the people wondering were these bones dating from the Civil War yeah, era? Yeah. You know, that grenades and weapons have been found behind uh, and under the floorboards in some uh, property up around Barrack Street. But these bones are older. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. Okay. What lies, what lies beneath our feet? Listen, it's a, it is a very, very interesting story and we'll keep an eye on it as they continue with their investigations and forensic science takes over. Appreciate you taking the call. Much obliged, Joan, as always. Thanks, Neil. On English, senior reporter with the Irish Examiner and the gallows, of course, the gallows that I talk in Gallows Green would be where uh, criminals and a lot of the time for very, very insignificant crimes, I can tell you, uh, were hanged and they weren't, they didn't really discriminate on age, to be quite honest with you, a lot of the time. The further back you go, uh, our sex for that matter, male, female, adults and children, uh, were difficult, difficult, difficult times. So six skeletons beneath uh, Nancy Spain's, we'll see what happens with that story. As, uh, as I say, forensic science takes over. Lines are open to one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. There's one interesting court report this morning that makes uh, the echo where you had two women. Apparently, they had stolen so many bottles of champagne and Prosecco from O'Donovan's off-license on the Cork Road in Cargilline. They had stolen so many of them and hidden them under what's been called in the court report their traditional style skirts. But they had so many bottles of champagne and Prosecco and wine uh, hidden under their traditional style skirts, that they only managed to waddle, not walk, but waddle, kind of like sideways out of the off-license. They were carrying approximately 15 uh, bottles uh, in their skirts, each by all accounts. Uh, the total value was put at €1,335. Euro. Now, these were two women, but there was a man involved as well who was there to distract 
the uh, worker behind the counter. Now, um, he got a, a jail term of, of six months because he had a lot of previous, two previous convictions. Uh, one of the women was in court and uh, that sentencing has been adjourned until December. The other woman wasn't there. But the guard said it was all caught on CCTV and, and, and they were arrested or taken into custody. They, he said they had so much stuff they nearly fell over. Uh, one lady actually stumbled and had to catch on to something. Um, the volume of stolen bottle, bottles causes both of them to waddle through the door. Um, the traditional skirts, skirts, of course, would be um, uh, types of clothing that we worn from people from not originally from this country. And you can tell by their names. Vassil Muntanu um, was one of them. And, of course, uh, the, the two women then of a similar name. So that's an interesting one. Uh, you know, I mean, that's some amount of bottles, like 30, 15 each. Uh, and they went for the good stuff, the champagne and the Prosecco and the wine. Lines open. Back up to the break. Text 086-8104-106. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Your hard case is all the same. I knew the minute I played anything to do with Liverpool, you'll never walk alone. It's the top funeral song. I knew that I'd get texts on it. Turn that SHI off, Neil. It's too early for that kind of rubbish. <laughs> Uh, another one, for your information, You'll Never Walk Alone was originally a Man United song. True enough, and one, and one last one. This is your last chance. Next time you play that horrible song, You'll Never Walk Alone, I'll be turning you off for good. Why not play some other team songs, says United fan Johnny, and that's just a selection. I mean, you could set your watch to that every single time. I hope it's meant in jest, lads. All right, lines open, one 850 106 text 0868-104-106. We had the press conference yesterday, and then following the press conference was the confusion. Now, the things that we do know uh, that remain in place, of course, are COVID certs and QR codes for entrance into hospitality venues and nightclubs and restaurants and things like that, and table service and pubs. Mind you, pubs will be able to, uh, able to stay open later. And then there's no capacity limit now on indoor or outdoor events uh, giving major major sporting events and concerts the green light. But I think concerts and indoor gigs like a concert or live music event, you got to be sitting down. Um, very confusingly, nightclubs will open for the first time in 19 months on Friday. But there are specific rules regarding that in the sense that you can't go to the bar for a drink. You have to have the drink at your table. You have to be sitting down, whether it's a seat or a stool. But you can dance on the dance floor, bizarrely, without without a mask. So there's lots more like that. And one interesting one, actually, for fear it's forgotten, is that weddings and religious ceremonies, anything to do in a church or a wedding and afterwards for the afters, uh, attendance limits will be lifted from Friday. So bigger weddings will happen from Friday as well. So I imagine people will be happy with that. Certainly hotels will be in venues. But with regards to entertainment, I'm joined in studio by Stevie G, Red FM DJ and producer, and very much involved in the live music scene on Leaside. Morning. Hiya, I nearly turned the car around when I heard you'll never walk alone at all, but that's another story. <laughs> that's another story of another day. It happens every day. You can set your watch to it. What, what's going on? Firstly, with regards to nightclubs, bearing in mind that we don't have a whole lot of nightclubs left in Cork anyway, right? Yeah, it's been very bad in the last few years. We've lost a lot of clubs. Um, some are supposed to be coming back in a different vein, like Dali, where I would have worked with. We ran the path for years. Uh, Benny has it now, so he'll do something, but it's, 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 it's unoccupied at the moment. Uh, I presume he's getting, he, I think he was talking about the jazz weekend, but I presume that's out the window I'll now. give him a bell and see where he's at. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> he's probably pretty busy now at the moment, but it, like he's probably like any other person running venue. Like he's got loads of them kind of going, what the hell is going on? Because no one really knows what's going on. But most of his really wouldn't be nightclubs. I mean, Crane Lane no, might absolutely. come close to one. But but even with the bars, he's got late night venues. Like, I think anyone in the industry is just like totally confused. And I mean, 
when you think of the jazz weekend, the biggest stresses of trying to get staff stocking stocking stuff months in advance, uh, trying to get all the entertainment sorted, um, the sound systems, everything. I mean, it's just like having this a couple of days beforehand. Um, but it's why just a is mess. that part of it confusing for indoor? Big bars, yeah, uh, like because it's, it's, it's as you were, except you can stay open later. Yeah, but some of them are some of them run late. Like I always felt that the nightclubs should have a distinct license than late bars. Anyway, it's all very blurred, but it's all very confusing. And this whole thing about sitting down, if you're at a live gig, is a disaster. Like the people that I'm close to working, running big gigs all over the country, are devastated because they're like, it's going to really. Um, and and distinguishing that between a nightclub, I mean, I, I generally do work in nightclubs when I can, not in the last two years, obviously. But, like, how is it different dancing in a nightclub or, or at a wedding? I've DJed at weddings recently, and it's been like a nightclub. Mm. It's been full on, it's been par... Like, I mean, obviously within the regulations, but the regulations now for weddings are in a church are totally different than they are at a live gig. It just doesn't make sense. I can't, uh, personally, I haven't a clue how to work it all out. And like, and if, if the people in the industry don't have a clue, you can imagine what it's like for the people who are going going out or whatever. Well, if you go into a nightclub, say, for instance, that would be what? Like, would it be Gorby's, is it? Uh, well, what's Gorby's called now? Uh, Voodoo. Voodoo. Yeah. That's a club. Yeah, it's yeah. Different levels and everything. Yeah, yeah. So you can't get a drink at the bar there. You have to sit down, right? Yeah. And you, then you, you can, can dance. You can dance on the dance floor without a mask. And, yeah, and if you're drinking, it's okay. I mean, is that not just encouraging more people to just be drinking nonstop as well? Like, I mean, what's the logic of that? Like, we, everything, I did an article for the Examiner last week about everything in Ireland encourages binge drinking. Our licensing laws, everyone's looking at the watch all the time going, we've got to get to the off-license before 10. Uh, we got to get something, rather than getting cans, they're drinking naggins or whatever's uh, high alcohol to get drunk faster because they're running all the time to the club, which is closed, or the pub is closed at whatever, 11, and now it's like half 11, 12, whatever it is. Everyone's running all the time. And it's actually, in, everything we do in Ireland encourages binge drinking and it's just like you can see I mean you can see what it does I mean you can see what it's like in the streets and I don't know what's going to happen but the you know what out after the gig exactly goes, and yeah. everyone's out there and all the taxi drivers are stressed out the people who the only one or two fast food places will open with heavy security I don't know how people work in them like they must be stressed out of their minds like your hillbillies on the Grand Parade yeah exactly like and they do well out of it but like I mean would you work in there and deal with all that crowd like um, but you know that's about to change now that'll be 5am well uh, theoretically we'll see what happens but that's I suppose that's an argument for another day I do think that we have to just um, change up those licensing laws into line with what happens in Europe or whatever but if you go to Europe anyone will tell you I've DJed in Leeds and lit literally got a train down to Manchester at 1am went to another club there till 4am got a taxi outside there's always taxis there's no one all out at the same time because lots of people will always go home at 1 or 2 o'clock someone sort of gets a girlfriend or a boyfriend or someone's tired someone's a bit drunk someone's got mm. work the following day people will in Ireland we kind of try to dictate everything all the time as sort of, like we're not like uh, the the Catholic nanny state anymore but mm. like that's the way our theory goes whereas and it's the same with, with regard to drink when it comes to if you look at France the way some of their teenagers will be maybe having a glass of wine when they're 16 or whatever it is 
and they're not like <laughs> they don't come over here you see the students over here people give out about them but they don't they're not out drinking when they're like 14 or 15 like yeah yeah. So that, they, that, yeah, they're very well behaved. Yeah, yeah. So like when the we have a different culture. Yeah, here. well, because they're chasing the clock because it's closing time. Yeah, yeah. But they're not chasing the clock because it's closing time outdoors on on Washington Street or you know when we see these huge crowds. I know this is a different topic. Yeah. Or yeah, you know, they don't necessarily go home straight away on the Grand Parade. Oh no, like and no one's going to go home. Like you can do whatever you want this weekend if you said everything was closed at 11 you're just going to cause everyone's just going to go out in the street and have a massive street party and obviously the the guards aren't going to be able to control that if it does get out of hand but house parties is probably where the like that's where a lot of incidents have happened in the last few years with regarding to drugs and re- regarding to drink and regarding to all sorts of stuff like yeah. there's been you've heard it like stabbings and all sorts of yeah. stuff yeah. Yeah. so Overdoses. you're not going to regulate stuff without security at least if you have stuff in a venue which is licensed you've got trained people who can do CPR or whatever you can have I don't know just if if issues come up but regarding the well, you've jazz, got security are, staff there as well. Exactly. Yeah. So but, yeah, go ahead. Because this regarding is a big weekend. this whole thing, it's just it's just very confusing. And I know from talking to some of the promoters, the people running the big gigs and the smaller gigs, the artists, uh, the bands, the security, the sound engineers. No one talks about a lot of the people behind the scenes. Like it's a massive industry. I know people are just like because the whole confusion. Um, like even alone if you're promoting a gig you're trying to move this bit people moving dates like all the time and a lot of this is, is foreign acts who are it's very embarrassing because I've, I've I heard Leagues Leagues O'Toole he's one of the big promoters in Dublin yesterday he was saying like can someone explain this to the to the people I'm dealing with the agents in England or in the US or wherever that like they keep changing them and can someone explain our our laws here about like h- how we're having to change capacities of gigs, how we're having to move gigs. There's been gigs moved for the last two years, month by month practically, and the amount of stress that that would put on people promoting and people buying tickets too and organising hotels and blah, blah, blah. But there's no limit on indoor capacity. No, but the whole thing with regard to sitting down at a gig and that is going to affect capacity. There is, uh, like the people involved in running the gigs now would explain it better, but there is... Oh, you have there, to be seated. Yeah, yeah, and and like the fact that you can't uh, um, dance can't have at a bop. them. And, yeah. Do you do you know do you know um, the car, the concert promoter Shane Dunn? Yeah, very well. I'll be quite close to Shane. I was actually talking to Shane this morning. He's a car guy, isn't he? Shane he won't even. Shane runs Independence, and and he runs a lot of the MCD stuff. Shane won't even. He actually told me this morning that he he actually he was asked to go on like some of the big. TV shows last night. He can't even cope anymore. He's no, because we asked him on this morning. He says he's refusing. He's turning down everybody. Yeah, he's just he, probably completely fried. Exactly. And but I he know did say you can of, you can yeah, dance sorry. maskless in a club, but you can't stand and watch a band. Seems like guitars and drum kits attract the virus-laden droplets more than DJs. But again, I don't know. These are answers we hope from the government. That kind of sums it up, isn't it? You can dance yeah. maskless in a club. That's actually the crux of it. You can dance on a nightclub floor without a mask, but you can't stand and watch a band. But at least you can watch a band and sit and watch a band I know but Im- imagine distinguishing like I'm a DJ so I should be kind of going oh this is good for DJs but it's not it doesn't make any sense and we all work in the same uh, the same realms uh, the DJs and artists and everyone we're all, we're all the same kind of people in the creative industry blah 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 but I do think like it's just confusing the way it's distinguished between some of the technicalities and like what is going to happen what's going to happen now is people are just going to 
just go with their own um, their, go with How the would you themselves. even control a nightclub? I mean it's impossible to control a crowd like that isn't I, it when I there's jarring? No but like I do know that for the last 18 months there has been a lot of like there is a lot more raves happening a lot more house parties a lot more illegal stuff um, and that whole scene is just gonna like we're going into another winter now it is going indoors so we obviously had a pretty mild last six months even though it's quite mild so we're going to go to the stage now where um, like I think the government had to look at this whole thing about like ventilation they had to look at like uh, the testing thing they had pilot event last month in Dublin there was loads of photo opportunities but like it, it all the ne- it all came back negative. There was no masks. There was no social social distancing rather in the button factory. Uh, everything came back negative. So what was the pilot event for? Like was it what was but it? That like? pilot event was for vaccinated or unvaccinated? Uh, they didn't. I think everyone had to be vaccinated. Yeah, but they had. I think they had everyone tested beforehand. But why Just because they? you can be vaccinated with COVID, yeah, 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 yeah. But I think I think no one there was no positives or anything. But, but there's like, no limits now on nightclub numbers, sure they're not. Uh, I'm not. I actually, to be honest, full, I can't, whatever I can't your full sure. capacity yeah. is, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's it's confusing, and I'm I'm not just speaking from like I'm more speaking for my friends. Like I don't run a club anymore. I I work. I've got some other part time work. Like I work here in the Echo, and I'm doing some teaching. Uh, shout outs to the Cork Life Centre, by the way, because I know they had their award ceremony now. So I'm starting work with them tomorrow. Good man. And I'm doing stuff with uh, Faroga and Toker and some other people. But like, it's not just me. But I, I do know that like I'm quite close to everyone in the industry from all all aspects and everyone is just stressed out of their mind no one has any and like you we do kind of like this is how we we market Ireland on this like it's the crack and kill it's the kind of like all over the world we, we celebrate our culture and our music or whatever this is how we market ourselves abroad and like in Ireland it's very different than it, what, that it is in Europe and we're all about the EU uh, we're all about like we laugh at some of the Brexit stuff going on but like in Ireland, we're kind of backward compared to what the UK are entertainment wise. And we're definitely not aligned with Europe, not just with licensing, but with the way we've reacted to the entertainment industry uh, after the virus. So you're kind of going like, what's the story? And and again, as a football fan, like I want to go to see Ireland v Portugal with like 60,000 people or whatever it is. But, but now like, you can. Uh, no, I can't. But how come the some of the gigs with three or four hundred people are, are there still talk about numbers with some of the some of the other things like the seated thing? Does, Indo- indoors, you see. Yeah, but it does wreck the the margins for 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 a lot of these things, like the opera house this weekend. Oh yes, you can get a lot less people in when it's seated. Exactly, than you can and the margins are very tight when it comes to gigs. Okay. But, yeah. We'll see what happens, I we'll guess. We'll see what happens. Okay, also good to hear that Colm O'Sullivan will be back DJing for the first time in 18 months this weekend. He's in Clancy's on Friday and Saturday, Sunday night. It's good news for, for jocks like no, you No, it's and good. Colin. I'm working in Riverlee myself and Barry's as well. Uh, I'm happy to be working, obviously, first time properly uh, in a while, even though I've been doing little bits of pieces. We so kept us going during stuff. COVID with the Friday night old school mix. Yeah, know. exactly. And I'm, I'm I'm blessed to be able to the just keep in the kitchen. <laughs> to be yeah, to be keeping mentally active. But my wife and everyone else would be delighted that it's moving from the kitchen to some other places <laughs> soon. Okay, my man. So busy for the jazz weekend then. Yeah, I'm in the Riverly. So shout outs. I got some good guests coming in. They're, they've always been really good to me. We do a lot of stuff with Red FM and Riverly as well. So I'm in there Friday and Sunday out in Barry's and Sunday as well. And uh, I'm going to go to the Opera House on Monday to check out this artist, Yazan Bay, 
uh, aka Mo Steph, who's uh, one of the, the big headliners of the Jazz Festival. Okay, guys, there you get a free tip on a gig to follow at the weekend. Thanks for stepping in or stopping by the great Stevie G. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. Eighteen fifty one zero four one zero six. Red FM. Late bars are back from Friday, and that's into the Jazz Weekend. Spare a thought for anybody working on the door of any bar, late bar, or nightclub, and what they'll have to go through with regards to people coming in with COVID certs and QRs and queues and what have you. So that's another thought. Meanwhile, Damien Shreenan has um, a 300-seater bingo hall, which he took over in May. I've seen the photographs of it. It is stunning, but he ain't opening it. Damien, good morning. Morning to you, Neil. Did, you get, you? did you get the morning. nod to open it? I get confused and hazy with regards to dates. When, like, bingo's back a while, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose. Look, I, I joined in May. I, I kind of started there in May and you know, with the we were looking at July fifth opening bingo. You know, it's a, it's a great social event for people. You know, in the days of technology, people could still go and meet. They missed and then obviously bingo. in July, we were told, okay, you have to wait till September. Now we'd put workmen in there and new TVs, new sounds, new system. You know, all new lighting, ready for July fifth, which is fine. Look, okay, that's grand. We move to September, and then September came, and we were told you need to ask for vaccine starts. Now, look. I'm not. I, I just have to say, I'm not a pro-vaxxer. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. You know, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, you know, I'm, I don't fall into that category. But I do care for customers. Like, and we just we we don't want to ask. We don't. We just want to treat our customers equally. And that was what we wanted to do. So we said, look, okay, we'll hold off till October twenty second. That's fine. The government have said that you know we won't let no one need vaccines. And then obviously last week news started to break. So we, you know, we spent the last three weeks getting the place ready, systems, rosters, you know, looking at the cafe up there to stop that, get it all ready. Costs have been ringing us. Are you open on the 22nd of October? Yes, we are. We've big nights planned. And then the news obviously yesterday uh, that we still need to ask for vaccine starts. Now, yeah, can we open? We can, but is it fair on people who might not be vaccinated for whatever reason they want or choose? whether they can or can't yeah. we, we physically just don't want to ask people and you did know, you really think that, that on the 22nd of October that they were going to allow unvaccinated people indoors foolishly foolishly I suppose yeah. we did you yeah. know I mean I think and, and you know I just feel like we're, dev- we're absolutely devastated we're bursting to open the club like you know it's a lovely venue with fantastic plans for the but place. wouldn't most yeah. of your customers and patrons be of an age group who would be fully vaccinated you're not shooting yourself yeah, in the foot yeah, here you, yeah you would I suppose look yeah I mean if you look at the if you look at the 300,000 that aren't vaccinated I think there's 83% under the age of 25 which means there's 51,000 people over 25 yeah but it doesn't matter because we know like I know because I've spoken to customers on the phone they've rang saying do you need vaccine starts on the 22nd of October and I said no not at the moment no it's all good uh, with the restrictions are lifted and people are delighted some people just don't want to get it so, you know I, look that's their choice I mean what, what they, the government are just deflecting from they're deflecting from the what they haven't done for the last 20 months I mean you know they're saying ICU beds they have 20 months to increase the ICU and, and take care of the health uh, the healthcare system. but you're not you're not going to get open if you follow this line and logic and uh, well, we well don't you, you, you won't be open no. till April perhaps no, no no that's it I mean you know that, that's exactly it. I mean, they're creating a divide between people. I, I see people fighting all over Twitter and everything like, you know, and now we say the, the people who are vaccinated are blaming the unvaccinated people because they can't, well, you know, they can't come to the bingo hall. We just want to treat all the players equally. But are you, are you not, are you not um, putting restrictions on perhaps 95, 96, 97% of your clientele to 
suit the two or three who would fall into that age category who aren't vaccinated, no? But wh- why should we treat that 3% different to other people. I'm not suggesting it's 3%. It could be more. I don't know. I'm just saying there would be a minority. If if it was, even if it was three people out of 100, you know, and it's it's probably, I think if if you've aged, it's probably 8% 8 out of every 100. You know, I I turn and sit there and say to this person, sorry, you can't come in. You know, I'm sorry, you don't have a search unit. You can't come in. You know, I mean, it's look, I just don't think, we just don't think it's fair. And we've decided we're not going to open on Friday. We're going to take a stance. Um, you know, unfortunately, bills are still there. Rent needs to be paid. You know, the government support ended on the 22nd of September. Um, like, we're at a stage now where, I mean, and the history of this bingo hall is, it's had such a tough three years. Because where is it? It was, it's Sunbeam Bingo. It's up in Ballavalan. So it used to be in the industrial estate in Blackpool. And it closed to relocate to, to Balvalan, it took 18 months, I think, because there was objections. But yeah, okay. like eventually it got open. And then in, in December 2019, they traded. It was the first time they traded in a year and a half. And they traded properly till March 2020. And then they closed in March 2020. And through the summer, then obviously last year, 50% capacity. Now, bingo needs, bingo is, bingo, bingo, people come to, so aspect, they come to win money. If you're trading at a 50% capacity, but you, you're not getting... But you wouldn't be from Friday. Well, we wouldn't be from Friday, no, no, we we, we, we wouldn't full. be if 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 we were, if, if we didn't have to ask for vaccine certs. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, you see the picture. I mean, we can clearly, you know, uh, do social distancing up there. We can spread people out. You know, there's no. It's it's a well ventilated, big area, lovely place. We don't have the we don't have the luxury of having a separate section. We say outside for for vaccinated or unvaccinated but then I mean you're segregating then again and so it's vaccinated. segregation you're making a stand against discrimination yeah yeah, yeah okay. absolutely okay, okay. I, we're, we're, you know it's, we have an online bingo and it, it's going okay it's, it's it, you know it's covering okay. things at the moment and okay. people enjoy that but you know people want to get back into the bingo hall we, we, and there's bingo halls across the country I can tell you who were open five and six nights and they're only open one and two now because people you know some people people have they obviously have to ask for vaccine passports and there's bingo halls, and I, I genuinely fair for the bingo world at the moment, uh, you know. Um, well, you know, a lot of people would be disappointed, but probably will admire you for your stand and saying, I'm not going to discriminate against my customers, those that have and those that have not. Appreciate it. Uh, anything, I tell you what, do you have any thoughts on, on the whole pub trade and nightclubs? That's a former uh, life of yours. I can Because if you do, I can chat with you about that after 10. Do you want to give some thoughts? No, I, I suppose, uh, I, I probably can't, but I mean, Stevie G kind of summed it up, you know, the, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the whole... It's it's complete. It's, it's madness. It's madness. You know, not not knowing what's going on. And if, if, if as you said, like the whole you can dance, you can dance in a nightclub, but you, you without a mask, but you have to wear it. And if you're walking, it's 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 a total. It's a total mess. It's a mess. Like, I suppose they're trying to please everybody in some way, shape, or form. Interesting one here. That man is one hundred percent on point. Fair play to him for standing up. Uh, to them, um, uh, another one here. Damien's making so much sense. I hope you, sense. I hope he sticks to it now and makes a stand. More like him should do the same. Words of encouragement. That, the, 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 yeah. For a band gig, and I, and I was reading Shane Dunn's tweet last night. You know, if you go to a wedding and they have a band, All you right. can dance to that band. But if you go to a gig, you got to sit down. Okay. I mean, come on. All right, Damien. Cheers, yeah. my man. We're back after ten. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Hey, it's Kira. Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7am and wake up your weekend with music, chats and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens. Get it off your chest. 
Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red the, FM. Tickets for the jazz right across the week. Double passes for the Metropole Hotel. And it's your opportunity to scoop another pass or two between now and midday. So you're listening out for this cue to call. Caller 10 when you hear it on one 850 Not now, uh, but a little later this morning. <laughs> Get you into the epicenter of the jazz, if you like, the Metropole Hotel, the ultimate hotspot for the jazz over the long bank holiday uh, weekend. Thank you for that uh, email from Rory. He says, um, am I understanding this? You can go to the pub, show a COVID cert, sign in at the door, put on your mask, awkwardly elbow and fist pump your mates as you take a seat and wait forever to be table served a pint. Uh, put on a mask, go to the toilet and go out for a cigarette. Leave the pub then, head to a nightclub, show the COVID cert, sign in at the door, take a seat with a mask on. Then around half twelve, you're free to go and have a leper on the dance floor. But you have to make sure you social distance from everyone else on the dance floor. And then the potential love of your life is right in front of you, giving you those come to bed eyes. And you can't do anything about it as you'll be breaking social distance rules. So you wave at them, social distance wave, you grab your coat, head to the chipper, go home, log on to Tinder and hope for the best. Just making sure I have everything clear. Um, Yeah, yeah. you pretty much do have everything clear in that regard. Uh, Lines open at 1-850-104-106. We'll come back to that and lots more besides. Uh, Your thoughts are welcome. Don't even talk to me on the amount of calls, texts and comments from yesterday. Much of it coming from Joe Shea's column, Tuesday column in the Irish Mirror, where he's just had enough of those who have not been vaccinated and had a lot to say on that yesterday. And so did you guys. Um, on Damien Shreenan not opening the sun, Sunbeam Bingo, if every business uh, took the same man's stance, then the certs would have to go. Fair play to him. Not, not everybody agrees with uh, Damien's idea of not opening because he doesn't want to discriminate against the uh, unvaccinated or those for their own best reasons why they're not taking it. And I'll come back to those texts again a little later on. But a chat during the week, it was Monday, uh, with Nina, who was suffering terribly um, with, with long COVID. These are the after effects of COVID that have just never gone away. Uh, and she was going through her conversation. And this has been impacting on her uh, since... I believe since January, right? Since January. Uh, and she's having no life of it whatsoever, in spite of the fact that she's got to, a family and, and, and children to wear and what have you. Um, but it prompted a call, and he's uh, joined me on the air in the past um, with uh, regards to issues involving health and COVID. It prompted a call from Dr. Gihad L. Bastawizi, who is a consultant in pain management at the uh, Regenicare Clinic on South Main Street, because he was listening to Nina and wants to offer some help to her or potentially others as well. So, Dr. Gehad, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? So, long COVID is is actually COVID, isn't it? It just never goes away. Uh, (laughs) Well, I've seen a lot of patients uh, post-COVID who are actually suffering quite a lot after the COVID with the consequences of yeah. the COVID infection. Like, would they test uh, negative to COVID but still have all of this illness and side exactly. effects? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, yes. Yeah, they are negative, they are not infectious, but they're still suffering the consequences of the COVID, including mainly uh, brain fogging, fatigability. Um, they, are, they are not themselves. 
She had to she had to write down little notes um, and yes. even her conversation on air with me on Monday, she had to have notes written down because she would find herself mid-sentence and lose her, tra- her train of thought. Yes, that's true. Yeah. That's all sort of symptoms that um, the person would feel he's not himself. Uh, disoriented sometimes, uh, sleep a lot, lack of energy, lack of concentration, uh, all those sort of things. Short of breath, that's quite common. Yeah, she spoke um, of help, uh, heart palpitations, dizziness. I'm just looking at many of the yes. symptoms. Needle, pins and needles, joint pain, depression and anxiety. Of course, that will lead to that. That's, that's another, uh, what you call it, uh, when, when, you, when somebody has all those symptoms, uh, eventually he will go into depression and, um, and lack of self-esteem and all those sorts of things. As a consequence to, um, yes. to the yes. various illnesses they're carrying. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, they, just to remind you and remind everybody that uh, COVID has, uh, we, we have no previous uh, experience with it in the medical profession at all. And COVID has actually introduced a new uh, disease that we know nothing about from the beginning. And all sorts of treatment as we speak nowadays, all sorts of protocols is just to control the acute state whereby it's a supportive therapy, we call it. Support the systems of the body, support the respiratory system, the heart, all sorts of support. Now, with the consequences of, or the sequelae of after the COVID, after the patient recovered from the COVID initially, there is a lot of protocols nowadays to treat post-COVID patients. The the, the biggest problem that we have nowadays is that, uh, as you know, medical profession is quite orthodox uh, profession whereby they have to abide by the books. Is that, do you mean by that old-fashioned, is it? Not old-fashioned, but we are highly or over-regulated sector. And um, all the physicians will do only what's written in the books. Now, we have a situation now where there is nothing written in the books about COVID and the sequelae of COVID. So the physician will have his hand tied up behind his back. What am I going to do with this patient? If I go by the books and give whatever, vitamins, uh, supplements, or this or that, it's not going to cure the patient. So... A lot of the time it's go away and take paracetamol, right? Things like that. Or something like this. Now, COVID has invited us to actually think outside the box in a big way. So how do you deal with it differently then if you treat post-COVID patients like Nina? Like, for instance, many people are better in a few days or or a week. or I know that some can take longer Uh than that. But for the likes of Nina, it's 10 months. Yes. And I've seen, I've treated a lot of patients who are exactly like Tina, uh, like Nina, and uh, they improved very, very well by non-conventional uh, medical approach, like uh, something outside the box. For example, we have ozone therapy. Ozone therapy, ozone, as you know, oxygen has two molecules, which is 
why it's called O2. This is O3, so it has an extra molecule of oxygen. What does the patient actually do? What the patient is um, taking ozone therapy, uh, that will increase the oxygen metabolism in the body and vitalize all organs. All organs in the body need oxygen. And some people said before, any organ to fail, it's a, it's an imbalance between oxygen supply and demand. And is so that a mask or is it a chamber? No, or? no, no, none of that. There's a, there's a way to do it whereby you take some of the patient's blood, like you donate blood, just a small amount, like 150 ml of blood, and mix it outside the body with the ozone therapy. So the blood will take up the ozone and then give the blood back to the patient again. So it doesn't um, interfere with anything. It's very, very non-invasive and uh, very safe as well. Ozone has been used for ages for nearly 100 years now because of its uh, antiseptic property. It's antibacterial, antiviral, antifungal, and the German has used it in the World War One to treat soldiers in the trenches in the war to stop the infection. And would that treatment be medically approved? Clearly, clearly it would be. You wouldn't be doing it otherwise, right? Well, that's another good question, uh, Neil, because uh, first of all, the FDA in America, they said, well, there isn't enough evidence to support this kind of treatment. That's quite obvious from some organizations like FDA because there's no money involved. There's no medicine to be sold in the pharmacy called ozone. And, uh, you know, FDA is a a business-oriented organization. Well, I would have thought it would be safety as well. Well, there is nothing unsafe about it. There is nothing unsafe about it. It's just an oxygen oxygen therapy. No, I'm not. I'm talking. I'm not talking about your particular treatment, but it's there to make <clears> sure that you know people don't get killed. If there wasn't any regulations in place, God knows what yes, people will be selling true. to others. You know. Yes, that's true. We're not talking about giving horse milk to the patient. Yeah. We're yeah. talking about giving oxygen, which has been, uh, but it's in a different format. And uh, this uh, treatment has proven very, very effective. And it's been used all over the world, in America, in Europe, in some of the centers, outside of the hospital, unfortunately. And when you give this to a long-term sufferer, say, with long COVID, how quickly do you see an improvement? Within, after three or four sessions, you will see the improvement straight away. The energy is back. The brain, the, the concentration is back. The brain fogging disappears within after four or five sessions. Well, if you say, if you talk about three or four sessions, is it is that three or four weeks or, or what? It's uh, maybe one session a week. Yeah, it takes about half an hour to do it. It's like giving blood, and uh, the the improved dramatically with it, and it's been proven. And it's been written recently with the guys who are actually in Europe and in America and Australia and Japan. They are using it nowadays to treat post-COVID uh, symptoms. And there is uh, a lot of results. Some people publish their, uh, okay. their results and all of that. Is it expensive, that treatment? No, absolutely not. Like, how much is no. it? Well, it, it depends on the clinic. I, I think... I, I do have, the, for example, in my practice, I do have it. Uh, it takes about maybe 250 euro per session. 
cost of equipment application. So it's not something that you pay thousands for it. Yeah, but it's still five or six, four or five sessions is the bones of a thousand euro, I suppose. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and and yes. that's not reclaimable. You can't go in with a medical card or anything like that or PRSI. Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah, but then again, what price do you put on recovery? And does it work? Will that work? This say an eleven-year-old boy who's six weeks post-COVID, totally exhausted with tiredness. Would that work on children? It will work in anybody. It's an oxygen therapy meal. Don't forget that. Yeah, it's just some people yeah. would suggest that maybe we should be concentrating more on on supplements, vitamins, and eating properly. Does that have a role? Yeah. We're not suggesting that people aren't, but you know, you can eat yourself healthy. That's that's another way of uh, treating ozone. When I do ozone, I advise the patient to take some supplements, special supplements, to um, uh, to uh, replace or repl- uh, replace uh, the, some of the sources like uh, zinc, like uh, magnesium, like vitamin D and vitamin B. All those with the ozone. And then you expect the results. So zinc, magnesium, vitamin D, vitamin B, yes. plus your yes. ozone treatment. Okay. Um, uh, like you could just do nothing and it will go away eventually, won't it? I mean, this is, you will recover, surely. Well, we have no, you see, COVID is only one and a half years old now and we don't know whether it will go away. Or no, I'm just curious as to whether long COVID is forever COVID. Uh, no, I hope not. I hope not, but hopefully once these symptoms disappear, the person will go back to normal life again. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, um, it, as I said to you, it's something new, and we're still trying uh, our best to actually, to uh, on a scientific basis, of course, to actually uh, make patients better and make the symptoms disappear and get back to normal life and normal work. If someone is doing a job, for example, and he can't concentrate on the job, what else can he do? He's just going to sit home. That would be a sick leave he's entitled to. So let's... Ah, yeah, uh, but the tiredness and the breathing problems and the chest pains and the insomnia and the... Pins and needles, yeah. the depression, and the, the yeah. you know, she also had terrible rashes and and yeah. and the memory and concentration. Nobody wants to live yeah. with that. I mean, it's just exactly. Would you be in a position to uh, maybe consult with her or, or, or see her perhaps? And well, I'm I'm ready to, to yeah. Whenever she's uh, she's ready, I'll be more than happy to uh, to accommodate her and uh, herself and some other as well. It's um, it's something that is very safe to start with has no complications no I'd, I'd love I'd love to send a couple of yeah. maybe you know maybe complimentary <laughs> customers or complimentary guests Absolutely. to you and then we can Absolutely. report back and, and see how they improve you know <clears throat> that's no problem at all okay okay let, let, let's yeah. do that and let's get in touch with Nina and see where we go yeah. and then we can chat again is that alright yeah. Gahad? Yeah, absolutely no problem okay absolutely my man thanks no for problem. taking the call okay. Dr. Gahad no El Bastawizi you can check him out at the Regenicare Clinic on the South Main Street. We'll chat with Nina, make that happen, and get her to report back and uh, see how quickly she improves. Uh, back after back after the break on one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter 
at Neil Red FM. And you can text 0868104106, pick up the phone and uh, get in touch. I agree with the woman on air. Men are a curse for wearing masks under their nose. This was a lady who was on air yesterday, went over to Canada, visited her, her son over there and was talking about the experience there as opposed to here. Uh, men are a curse for wearing the masks under their nose. Throngs of men in Malaga Airport with masks under their noses this weekend. On the plane, a woman had to ask the air hostess to tell a few men on the plane to put their masks on back properly. Uh, Neil, my son did two antigen tests from the chemist. Both were negative. Two days later, he tested positive for COVID with a PCR test for the HSE. Yeah, I know. But um, anyway, one of the big messages there is that men need to pull their socks up and also pull their masks up. Uh, a lot of texts on yesterday's programme, which you will come back to, but I'm conscious of people's time, to be quite honest with you. Margaret joins me by phone. Margaret, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well, and thank you so much for, for taking the call. Yet another scam, and this was one that happened on your mobile phone by text, wasn't it? Yes, absolutely. It was absolutely terrifying, Neil. Um, both my husband and I were ill, and we were in isolation, and um, a text came in from the bank on their messaging app, you know, the one that usually comes in to give me a number if I buy something online to say that there was suspicious activity on my account and to press the link to secure my account. And of course, I did the stupidest thing I've ever done. I, I clicked on the link because I panicked. Sure, who could blame you? Behind a panic is panic. You know, you did what yeah. you did. What happened after you clicked on that link? So after I clicked on the link about four or five hours later, we got a phone call from the bank to say that our entire account had been cleared out. He asked me, had we moved our money, our savings account and our current account? And I said, no, we've been in. We were supposed to go on holiday and we couldn't do that. And we were in isolating and we hadn't used our bank account for a week. So he told me to contact the guards to get a pulse number and to, he gave me uh, an email address to uh gives them the details. Of course, I asked him immediately, would I get my money back? Now, he said that the the fact that they caught it was probably in my favour, but they couldn't give me any guarantees. And and that's where I have my issue need. Um, I think the banks should have more robust systems in place to protect people because I'm not computer literate and I'm not up with it, you know, like the younger crowd now would know not to press in a link but I did it in good faith because I thought it was genuine No, listen, I don't want to engage in ageism and I know you don't either, but we all know people who would just have a very basic mobile phone, would know nothing about broadband, Wi-Fi, apps nothing about online mobile banking. They're old-fashioned in that regard they go to the bank and they do their business and they trust what they see and they trust what they see on their phone Like it, it came up in the same list of texts, legitimate ones from your bank didn't it? Absolutely, yes and that's why I thought it was genuine Yeah yeah, they just have the technology to be able to do that, the scammers, the fraudsters, yeah. the crooks, the criminals. And I, I know you're not comfortable with giving out the amount of money, but you call it you call it a four-figure sum. Well, it was all that we had. It mightn't have been an, a lot of money to some people, but to us, it, it was, was your world. what we had in the bank to pay for our bills. And I mean, I felt that we weren't really very supportive 
by the bank because we got one phone call and two text messages and I had four days of worry, upset, I was crying and I was terrified and that's why I'm on today. I'm embarrassed that it happened to me but I want other people to be aware of it and not to click on text. It's worth your while to ring the bank and find out. Don't panic, ring the bank and find out and that's what I should have done. I know. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? It um, is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Absolutely. And did they give you the money back? They did give but me wh- the money back. But why back. would they give it back to you if if you voluntarily... I yeah. I don't know. I don't know how they got it. I don't know how it went out of my account. I don't know why it went back. No physical... I've had no communication from the bank to tell me why, how and when it happened. I just know that... I spent four days worry sick and I know there's an awful lot of people that's happened to and have been waiting a lot longer to get reimbursed and we've been lucky and very lucky in that respect. But I mean, the banks should really, they should ring people and say, look, this is our procedure. This is what we're doing. And if you need funds in your account to tide you over while we're investigating you know, they should do that. For I know. And, and the only way they would do that is by actually calling somebody on a phone because if they were to send a warning message, nobody knows whether that's legit or not. And that's it. And you see, that's the thing. You, it's impact, like They want people to go online. They're closing banks. They want people to go online. But they need to make it safer for people. So I wonder, did they manage to get the money back or did they just compensate you with it? I don't, I don't know, Neil. I yeah. really don't know. Nobody has told us we were left in And of course, and nobody knows. I, like, I don't know the technology that allows them to do it by you clicking on a link. It clearly brought them into your bank account with pins and passwords and everything. And you'd have to ask yourself, how did these criminals infiltrate the bank's messaging trade? How did they get my telephone number? How did they get into the bank's text thread? Where did they get your number? Where did they get your pin? Absolutely. It was absolutely terrifying. And and Unless you stored the pin. Some people are asked, do you want to save password details? And you should never... I probably did. I don't know. As I say, I'm not very tech-savvy. Well, never ever store a password or a pin for a bank account on your phone. You know, just keep that in your head. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, I was reading about this yesterday, actually, because um, uh, they were talking about the amount of money that people are scammed with. On average now, these kind of scams are conned out of €5,300, according to the guards. Um, it's, it's, it's increasing all of the time, but on yeah. average, it's 5300 It was all you had, including the money for a holiday, I think, wasn't it? Well, we actually were meant to go on holiday, but we, we tested positive for COVID and we had to isolate so that that money was all gone away that paid for, you know what I mean? Right. But um but it was like I just want people the to worry, be aware. Yeah, the worry and, and, and the, the stress worry. And, and coming up to Christmas now you're not you know, you're you could press on the link there and, and not be aware of it. So for me I'll never do it again. And it was a hard lesson and and I'd like to thank my sons because they kept us fed and, and made the case of while we were ill. Our friends who called by to see where we were. While you were isolating with COVID, is it? 
Yes, while we were isolating. Um, you know, it it was bad enough to be sick, but to have this on top of it was absolutely oh, terrifying. Oh my God, my heart goes out to you. Thank you. Listen, Bank of Ireland, put the money back in your account and at, at least it's there. They so, did, and, and that's great. So a lesson learned and a warning to everybody else. Yes, be very careful and, and I wouldn't want anybody to suffer the way we did. 70% you know, of the public have been approached in some way, shape or form with Absolutely. some kind of a scam. So, like, if 70% of people are being potentially scammed, do you wonder how many people actually do get scammed? You know? And, and won't Half admit them, it. And, quarter and of you them, know, and I, I, I'm very embarrassed by it, to be honest. Okay. But okay. I just Only wanted to, to make people aware of it and, and to save them that kind of anguish that we had. Absolutely. And the worry and the anxiety and the stress. Well, thank you for yes. coming forward and, be, you know, in spite of being embarrassed about it, but at least you had the bravery to come on and tell people, be careful. Be careful. Be careful. All right. Thank take you care, very much. Cheers. All God the best bless. to you and bye family. Bye. Um, actually, bye. it's interesting because that article also said that it's not just clicking on, say, a link or, you know, there's potential fraud activity in your account. You know, click this link to secure it. Of course, that's clearly a scam, but there's also uh, romance scams, um, even even between the loft, an awful lot about people there was an interesting case in the Telegraph on Saturday where an elderly man was scammed out of his entire life savings I'm talking now about uh, the bones of half a million pounds sterling at the time uh, it was an investment scam um, uh, he, he, he fell for it hook, line and sinker on the basis that he was being promised huge returns so what happened with him anyway just to cut a long story short was that uh, he started engaging with them by email uh, and I think it started out with an initial investment of about forty or 50,000 sterling. And then over the coming weeks and months, they were telling him how well it was doing and the amount of money that he was making. And he kept upping it and kept increasing it. He was just very naive in that regard. Um, and before you knew it, within maybe six or eight months, and he told nobody about it, he had been completely wiped out. But what they had also done then was they also shared his information with other scam artists and sold on his details. And then all sorts of other investment scam characters and crooks were hassling him to invest, 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 and he was completely cleaned out. I believe in the case of that one in the Telegraph that the bank uh, repaid, I th- gave him back something like a hundred and fifty thousand uh, sterling out of the four or five hundred thousand. So at least he got something back, but not all of it clearly. Uh, anyway, just ahead of the break, just a quick call here, Michael. Good morning. How are you, Neil? Very good. Good, my man. Good. You you also had a similar experience, but dodged a bullet, I believe, did you? I did. Um, like that, now that the, the text came in from saying that there was a suspicious fraudulent uh, activity on my account, and to click the link. So I clicked the link and I asked for my eight digit registration number. I put it in. Then it looked for your five digit password. I put it in. Oh my God. Was, oh my God. In, I got a text back from, or from that uh, link saying that you will receive. Um, I don't know, for Adam's sake, another password is not put in. But no sooner had that done, I went, oh, So I rang the bank, and what they asked me to do was try and sign in five times wrong, which will block your account. And that basically stopped the the scam business tracks. They gave me a new eight-digit registration number and a new password. And I dodged the bullet. You dodged the bullet because you reacted quick enough to dodge a bullet. You were lucky, though. But you see, like that woman there, she said that she, she felt very embarrassed. I wouldn't because, like, I'm 40-odd. I'm well up in the computers and stuff like that and phones and this and that. 
It's just when the text comes in, it, it depends on your vulnerability or what you're actually doing on day. Like if you're under pressure, problems like if you're just flat out at work or you're at home or this and that or you could be distracted. Yeah. Any stress on you, this message comes in straight away. You go, Christ, I better react there quick. And also, know how to react. That's what they want you to do. They want you to jump quick. Is they want to catch you fast off guard. But don't you know? Don't you know, Michael? That okay? You, you, you. Even when you go into your own bank, legitimately, say on your laptop or your mobile phone, you, you never put in the full password. They'll ask you for the second number, maybe the fourth number, and the sixth. You know? Did you not know that? No. Like I said, on the day I was flat out at work. It didn't dawn on me. It's the way they have it designed, the wording. It just, it's like it hits your brain and you're going, I better react. It's not a case of um, normal procedures, but you just get, it's the way they have the text worded. And, and again, vulnerability. They, they catch you a lot of vulnerability. Well, we're getting a very valuable piece of information from you this morning. If anybody feels that in the moment or seconds after doing what they're doing, they feel that it was a scam, Log in incorrectly into your bank account over and over again. Use up the opportunity so that your account gets locked. Isn't it true? Yes, straight away. You don't even have to do that. You, or sorry, you don't have to ring your bank to do that. You just do automatically five times. It locks your account. Ring your bank and then explain the story. They'll go. They'll ask you for your name, date of birth, so on, so on, and then they'll give you a new registration number. And they'll give you um, a password of your choice. So you can pick a password. You don't say it. And you just type it into your phone. You see, see, it's understandable. It's understandable why people get, um, you know, confused because I just pulled up my own one here. It's, you know, the, uh, this is a PS, PTSB account where, you know, they do confirm transactions. You, then they say, your authentication code is six numbers here and it expires in five minutes. If you didn't request this code, please contact the bank, blah, 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 blah. And they put down a phone number. They don't put down, mm-hmm. click this link. It's a phone number that you call. So yeah. that's safer, you know. So if you get one saying, you know, there's been unauthorized access to your account, um, click on this link. That's always going to be a scam. Like any correspondence that you get in your bank will either be through the app. You'll get a message within the app. Or you'll get a letter uh, see, people, in the door from the bank. A lot of people don't have apps. Do not reply to emails. Do not reply to texts. Do not put it in over the phone. If someone rings you, if someone rings you, don't answer. Block the number straight away. Yeah, but you know very well that people, they can, these scammers can call you uh, and they've hijacked the bank's number and it'll come up on your phone as Bank of Ireland or AIB or, or TSB. And people will answer them and they'll say, this is your bank branch calling I'm such and such a person. A lot of the time, they yeah, don't even sound credible. The said there that the bank needs to have a more robust. Fair enough, yeah. We, she, she put it in voluntarily. Yeah. But the bank should know. Right. All her money is being shifted. Hold the while. Bang. Stop it. Then send the text through the app or make a phone call to the woman. But they don't, like she said, they, they, they have to have a more robust. But in saying that, Neil, <clears throat> I keep getting emails from this American, um, it's an American address, saying that I need to log back into my account. Not This is nothing to do with AB, you know. I need to log back into my account as there is $20,000 on my account that I need to claim. <laughs> Charming. That's lovely. You have yeah, a vulnerable person who goes, Christ, $20,000. It could be someone that's going through hard times mentally. But who would believe that, though? 
you be Neil, you be surprised. You be surprised. That's like the but king. That's like the Nigerian. That's like the Nigerian king who has to flee the country and wants to send you gold or diamonds or five yeah. million in your bank account. No, in saying that, I keep reporting the emails to spam, right? Because you can report the, you can go in and report this email to spam, but I keep it keeps coming through to me. So again, it's they're paying for your email. They're paying for your contact number. Like, you'd be on about this GDBR, whatever it is there, you know, your personal yeah. data and all this crap. Yeah. It's been sold over and over and over again. And there can be legislation put in place all day long. It doesn't matter. Money talks. If they want to buy your contact details and your email, they will pay for it and yeah. they will sell it. Yeah, and st- undoubtedly there are vulnerable people there that they will always catch. We need to just minimise it as much as possible. Not a great phone line, Michael, yeah. but thanks for sharing your story. Glad you dodged no, that no, bullet. No, Take no, care, sir. So. Getting back to the app, Neil, um, just sign in five times wrong. Anyway. Shut your account by, by Shut signing it in correctly. Thanks, Michael. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Okay, I'll just do a couple of calls and I'm going to do some texts from yesterday as well and more on the countdown to the jazz. Uh, Malcolm, good morning. Hi, Nate. Oh my God, there's so many people have been scammed. Uh, you were hacked. Yeah. Um, the bank statement yeah, came out two weeks ago. You know, you get it every six months from DBS. Yeah. So when I was going through the list of it, on the 21st of August, there was six withdrawals. So it started off at 26. And the last one on the same day was 171. Euro. Yeah. yeah. So that was the 6th on the, on the 21st. On the 23rd then, two days later, there was eight withdrawals. It started at 135. And the last one was 199. So if you add the whole lot up, it totals 1,742 euros. Does it say on the statement um, what they were for or by who? Like the only thing that's on the statement is it just said this quote star S T A R. That's all. That's all the information that it, that, it, that it gives on the statement. And have you any so, idea what that might have been? Was it online well, shopping or, or? Not a clue. So I asked my daughters and I asked my wife, did they use it? And they didn't know what was going on. So I rang the bank, and there's a girl inside BBS and Percy. She's lovely to deal with in fairness, and she said. Um, She'll check it out. So she came back after, I don't know, 24 hours. And they think it's an online betting crowd. They're not sure yet. It's being investigated at the moment. Online so betting? Said, As in, what do you mean? Yeah. That somebody was, somebody got your bank details and was gambling with your card? Yeah, that's what it sounds like at the moment. No, I'm not 100% sure yet because they don't know either. So I just asked her a question and I said, how come the bank didn't notify us that there was suspicious activity on the card. Good question, she said. She doesn't know. So I said, could you find out for me? So she's trying it at the moment. Mightn't have looked, it mightn't have looked suspicious to them because it was reasonable amounts of money that mightn't ring any alarm bells, you know? It's probably reasonable amounts of money to everyone else, but for that kind of money, like over the course, the first day, I think, between the two of them, between the two days, it totaled, 1,700. Although it was only in a 48-hour period, 1,742 yeah. euro. So, like, if you go to a bank machine, O'Neill, and you go to withdraw money, the most you can take out your account is 600 per day. With certain cards. Yeah, yeah. And 
like even last week that I had to do the, the tax in my car online and I had to get a text to say was that me that used the car for 155 euros so my point is why didn't somebody from the bank contact me to say what's going on with your account no, well, why didn't you get why didn't you get a text because it was an online transaction asking you did you want to proceed with the online transaction yeah yeah I think that would solve so a lot of problems. They must have given the money back, did they? The bank? No, not yet. So this 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 is the funny part about it. There was the fourteen withdrawals that total one seven four two, and then on the second of September, there was six lodgements back into my account of one hundred thirty five euros each. Why? So that works already at one hundred ten euros that was put back into my account. So again, no. Without them coming back to me to confirm it, Jeff, they think that whoever was doing the online betting won and that money was put back onto the card. So yeah, but it, it goes to show the gamblers don't win if they got if they spend €1,742 gambling and got how much back? 810 800 back. back there. They're over fifty yeah. percent down on their on their bet on their bets. Well, <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. The gambler is like. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, the only thing I did say to the, the to the, the bank, which is in my favour, I don't have an online betting account because I don't gamble. So I'm hoping that that will solve that problem. I'd say they'll pay but you the balance because you didn't click any link. You were no way involved in this. This happened Absolutely to your not. bank no. account, so they will be responsible for that. I would think yes, they'll pay I, you back the balance. Well, hopefully. Like my daughter kills me at home because I don't... I have a clue about computers, Neil. And I probably do click things from time to time. But I certainly wouldn't affect onto an online betting club because they know nothing about it. No, I mean, I wonder where they got your bank account details from. I wonder yeah. where, how that yeah. happened, you know? And it just it's stopped. Clear. Has it just stopped now? But it just... There was two days of it. The 21st of August, the 23rd of August was where they took it out. And then on the 2nd of September, there was... Six lodges put back in. And nothing and since? Nothing ever since. No, I wouldn't have known anything until I got my statement and I went through it. I checked it. I always do. You'd, be, you'd probably be better off changing your bank account, you know, because they could sell on your information to others who will have another dip well, in there. I shut down that account anyway. Yeah, so I got you. That's yeah. all sorted and we're just going to restart again. But I did tell I did tell the bank, I, I'm with them over 30 years when I bought my first house and if it's not sorted, I'll close the account altogether and I'll yeah. move somewhere else. Let me know how that goes, yeah? Certainly. Certainly Thank with you. regards to the balance. Thanks for that. Actually, the next war really won't be guns or probably won't be nuclear. It'll be cyber. A bit like the, you saw the hack on the HSC and things like that. It'll that be multiplied by millions and it'll be a massive, massive hack of banks and people's bank accounts. I'm going to be frightening you. It's just my thought. I think that's where uh, the wars will be fought now. They'll be fought on computers and laptops and mobile phones. Um, it's a big changed environment we live in now. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Text zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Karen, just one call this side of uh, this side of eleven. Karen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How well, are you? we have some more clarity. A little bit of confusion with regards to nightclubs and indoor hospitality, but at least we know the jazz is going to go ahead and indoors full capacity. So that's something, isn't it? It is, but my bone of contention, Neil, is why do they pick this weekend to have no trains coming into Cork City directly? At a time when we have no airport, we now have no airport and no trains for one of the busiest weekends of our year with businesses struggling to survive. And this is the weekend a lot of them rely on. 
Like, I don't understand why they couldn't have spoken to each other and left the train works until after this okay, again. Okay, here's the point there, as you correctly point out, that the train will only go as far as Mallow and you have yeah. to get a bus from Mallow to Cork. Are they working on the line, I think, is it? They're doing new signals at the moment, but, for example, um, my husband went to Dublin last Saturday and he had to get a bus to Mallow. And, also, and then he was bussed yeah. from per- Port Arlington the whole way back. Now, if I'm in Limerick or Dublin or somewhere and I'm looking at a weekend break and I'm thinking I'd love to go to the jazz and I think, oh, why would I bother going? I can't get by train. I can't. There's no airport open. You know, it's just crazy. There's, I think they're suffocating our city at the moment. And do you think that, and they probably wouldn't travel by bus. Train would be jammed over, wouldn't it? Yeah. Trains would be packed and it's a lovely way to travel and it's a nice break, you know, a nice way to see the countryside coming down. You've a bit more air, I suppose, than you do with, you know, in a Oh, it's a lovely way to travel. I love the train, but who do it? So you're saying because the train stops in Mallow and the other way around for people wanting to go up, they have to get the train in Mallow and bus it to Mallow. We don't have any extra buses on for the Jazz Weekend. Bus Aaron have announced that. And of course, the airport is closed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you you couldn't make it up. You couldn't make it up. And like the rates are astronomical. Um, Several people I've spoken to in business between the lack of parking, what they're doing to the city centre. We know we just walked through our city and the amount of empty derelict shops. I don't know when it's ever going to come back to its former glory. But certainly crucifying them on a weekend they rely so heavily on. Like, why can the council, or my God, Micheál Martin or Simon Coveney or someone make a stand for Cork and say, let the rail work stop. They're putting, I think, eight million into automating the signals there. Well, why why do it this week? Yeah, it's cut the timing, really, isn't it? Cut off all the oxygen yeah. to the city for the jazz weekend. I just think yeah. it's appalling. Thanks for that. Timing could be better. Much obliged, Karen. Enjoy the long weekend, nonetheless. In spite of the curtailment on movement by various forms of transport. We're back after 11. Text 0868104106. Hi, it's Connor. Join me Sunday from 7 for Green on Red, bringing you the biggest, the best and newest names in Irish music. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prindeville now. 1850 104 Red FM. Okay, let me just catch up now. We're talking about a lot of hacks and scams online or people being caught on the phone or clicking on links and stuff like that. Of course, I was talking about thievery as well with the, you know, the off-license down in Carrigaline and two women with their traditional uh, skirts uh, waddling out of the off-license with 15 bottles each of Prosecco and Champagne. And then the party company on the Kinsale Road in the commercial centre posted online a photograph with half of the uh, reg blocked out of a Ford car. And um, they also put a message up with it. It says, uh, the party company in the Kinsale Road says, to the three occupants of this car, two female and one elderly, one in their early 30s and a rather round young man, you to, uh, you appear to have left our store without paying for our goods. We don't work hard to be robbed by SCUM. Uh, just waiting on CCTV to be downloaded so we can expose your faces as well. You may not see them, but our eyes are everywhere. Sweet dreams. So somebody's going to get a knock from the boys and girls in blue on that one, I would say. Uh, but a lot more companies are being an awful lot more proactive in sharing stories like this, and rightly so, and it shows the importance of good CCTV. Don't know what they stole in there, but uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens. And maybe the party company will keep us up to date. But it's a great company, incidentally, particularly if you're thinking things like Halloween for Sunday week and you want to get all your uh, anything for Halloween stuff, your trick-or-treating and your, um, your, your scary stuff and your costumes. Party company on the Kinsale Road. And also, we were talking about the mystery of the skeletal remains up in Barrack Street. I hope to return to that again tomorrow, what's under Nancy Spain's. But another, another mystery was making the papers uh, during the week. And one was the mystery of the missing dolphin fungi. I'm not going to say much about this, but they had a question in the, and a double page spread on it. What 
did happen to fungi because there's all sorts of conspiracy theories going about but it's plain and simple from what I'm told in regard to fungi that there's no mystery fungi died according to the fishermen down west and indeed to some of those that were um, you know um, you know had the boats that took people out fungi watching he just got old and he died and he floated to the bottom of the channel or maybe a little bit further out to sea and that's where he rests so there's no real mystery there at all also the mystery of names and children's names made the uh, English Times during the week now these are English names for children not Irish so they'll be very different to ours but you may not have known it but one of the most popular names in England for years and years was Nigel you know making plans for Nigel but apparently there are more Lucifers the Nigels in the UK now. It doesn't make a it doesn't make a top ten or anything like that. But children are calling some some parents are calling their babies Lucifer. An interesting one. I mean, if it wasn't anything to do with the devil, it probably would be a nice name. And obviously, they think it's a nice name. But the top girl's name in the UK is Olivia, and the top boy's name is Oliver. Kind of the same name, the male and female equivalent to it, boy and girl equivalent, Olivia. Uh, and Oliver. Uh, but their top ten is very different to ours. I mean, they've got a lot more Archies and they've got a lot more uh, Mohammeds and Noahs and Georges than we would. Ours would feature a lot more Irish names now, thankfully. But Lucifer, more Lucifers than Nigel. And there is one other mystery that I wanted to share with you earlier in the week and I didn't get to, to do it. And it, you know what double dipping is? Yeah? Double dipping is, um, you know, having a little bowl of ketchup and maybe a little bowl of mayo and dipping into two of them, both of them. Or you, you, you dipping your chip into somebody else's ketchup. Do you want to jump in on this actually? Because I see, I see the eyes peering at me and the ears perk up. You, you're aware of all of this. Are you double dipping? I am, dipping? but I thought double dipping was more like you know, I dip my chip in, half eat a bit, it. and dip it back in. I was going which to get to that. That is, that is exactly <laughs> what it is. So you take the chip, you dip it in the um, the ketchup that you're sharing with everybody else. You eat half the chip and you dip it again. Yeah. People freak out of that over that. Yeah. yeah, it's not very nice. It is. Yeah, we had this conversation before. Actually, people freak out in general about chips or people robbing stuff from their plate. Like I have a sister who you cannot go near her plate. If oh you no. rob a chip, she actually won't eat the dinner afterwards. Oh, no, I know lots of people <laughs> like that. Absolutely. I know people who have actually stopped eating yeah, because somebody has reached over or, <laughs> or somebody's come in yeah. from outside. That's it. Yeah, and they yeah. think there's a free pass on somebody's chips. I think I might double dip. <laughs> <laughs> I, I certainly did but it's been beaten out of me well verbally beaten out of me anyway by my daughter so I do it no more because apparently it's one of the worst things you can do in the world according to her yeah. but the big story at the moment now is um, so to dip or not to dip that's the question but what they're saying is now the difference between people who say for instance ketchup do you lather it all over the food or do you put a little discreet blob of it on the side of your plate I'd be a blobby, yeah. Eight in ten are the dollop side, on the side. So you're in the minor- in the majority. The other two, just which All I am over. actually. Are you? <laughs> I am, yeah. I am. Brown or, or red? Ketchup? Either oh. depends on what I'm eating. I mean, but certainly ketchup all over the chip, all over the chips. Yeah, all over it. No. But we're in the minority, so there's another little mystery uh, that's just like been solved. We all of our things. I've my I've said this to you before as well. I love dipping chips in vanilla ice cream. Oh, it's interesting. It's beautiful. And you know, the funniest thing is, my son had, he actually had McDonald's for his birthday there a couple of weeks ago. And what did he do? Dip the chips. And he'd never seen me do it. Dip the chips into his uh, vanilla milkshake. Well, he probably did see you do it. 
Yeah, maybe. No, I doubt it. No, no, no. It was the first time we were in McDonald's. But but the big, the big sin is dipping food into somebody else's sauce. That is a faux pas that is just unforgivable in the most of people that were serving in this. While ketchup, while ketchup or mayo with a roast was a no-no as well for almost half of the consumers. As in, you don't use ketchup with a Sunday roast. You want to bet? And do you know what the most bizarre type of eater is? And hopefully we might get some of them on the air. There, she's sitting next to you. <laughs> well, this is true. The most bizarre eater I've ever come across. No, I'm just extremely well, plain. Very plain. <laughs> and yeah. with the chips, do you know what I do with the chips, right? I don't buy them after a night out, right? Usually known for going down the street and taking other people's chips, strangers. <laughs> so then you, you're not guilty of going, oh, I actually ate chips last night. <laughs> just go, give us a chip there and you're... Should they're half flutered then so you're eating all their chips they don't notice that's what I'm guilty of and then on to the next person for yeah, then you and then you might meet someone nice you know so you're chatting to them then you're like can I have a chip you're flirting with someone yeah. and would you ever ask for an old munch off the burger or anything oh no no I'm not those gherkins and all that kind of family out of the question that I just what is why what's going on like I'll go as far as a bit of cheese in a burger but gherkins these green yolks across. and the grass and no that's salad it's not grass no, never it's come just, across this such a plain no. eater have you ever seen I would no, I haven't. But I would actually eat a gherkin burger if it was just gherkins. I absolutely love them. I would too. No, the strangest type of eater I think are these ones who will have, say, their peas and their steak, let's say, and potatoes, and they'll eat their peas and then they'll eat their steak and then they'll eat their potatoes and they don't smash them up on the floor together. They eat a lot of young people now eat portion by portion by portion, and you can say it to them. You know, it's supposed to be a fusion of the different things on your plate for effect's sake. Will you mix them up? No, this is how I do it. Are. And they leave the burger till last. Yeah, or the steak till last. Yeah. It's probably the best. You leave the best till last. But you know what I mean? You can't be talking no. to them. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, the double dipping is a no-no. Where you take the chip, dip it in the ketchup, eat half of it and dip it back in again. You can't be doing that, lads. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Uh, keep those condiment uh, texts coming, if that's the right term. Here's some guns on it here. People who ask, what about people who ask for sauce or gravy on the side and then pour it all over their food? Why? <laughs> I think it's because they figure if they ask for it on the side, they'll get more of it. More sauce or more gravy. Uh, morning, Neil. Most of, a, most of us dip chips into ice cream. Well, there you have it. It's not exclusively uh, an O'Hay thing. Uh, what I can't get is the brown sauce with chips. It must be popular in Bandon, as it's definitely a UK thing, as far as I'm aware. So the UK and Bandon, where they use brown sauce on chips instead of ketchup. If someone touched my food... I would dump the food. And morning, double dip means something different up the north side. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, I'm told, I was told in my year there uh, that actually double dipping has a sexual um, reference that I know absolutely nothing about. It's gone completely over my head. I'm quite happy to live in this world where I have no idea what double dipping means when it comes to a sexual reference. And don't bother texting me, telling me, because I'm very happy to live in ignorance. Thank you all the same. Oh, you know, remember we're talking about the jazz uh, passes that we have for the Metropole. The tickets I'm giving away today are for Friday night at the Jazz at the Metropole. Great night for the Jazz, Friday night in the Met. Four o'clock, you'll be in there with Gary Baus. Seven o'clock, Songstress Quartet. Ten o'clock, One Horse Pony. Midnight, the Paul Dunley Trio. And over in the ballroom, that's in the Met. Met's a great spot. And then in the ballroom, which is the later one, 10 p.m. with the 
New York brass band. <laughs> Imagine being at that gig. A New York brass band. And then Midnight Lucas D and the Groove Ghetto. So that's what's happening there on Friday night. And we have those tickets to give away. So double passes. So you got to listen out. Just be, sometime between now and midday, you will hear this. Caller 10 wins. Have a listen. <laughs> Okay, and good luck to you. Pick up the phone fast as you can. Lines open, text 0868104106. Last week we were speaking about uh, perimenopause and menopause and had a very honest and open conversation uh, with um, Emma Hearn, uh, who at the age of 37 uh, started experiencing menopausal symptoms. And we had a good chat about it, in fairness, all of the different symptoms and how she felt that she was completely and utterly alone. I also spoke to Peggyne, um, who completely changed her life around Peggyne Crowley, and she started her own company. It was a great conversation, and I ran out of time. She was telling us of how she uh, started to do her own products that would uh, help with perimenopause and, and menopause itself. Uh, and I will come back to that, different oils and CBD balms and candles and beautiful things like that. Uh, so more about that. Uh, but it did prompt calls from others. Amongst them, regular contributor to the program, Phil, who's always very honest and open about different aspects of her life. Phil, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thank um, you for talking about this. Well, I did hear you last week. Yeah. And when I heard the word menopause, I I couldn't believe it. I was shocked. It's the one subject for some reason is never spoken about. It is about. now, though. It is more and more, and it's oh, only going to get more uh, coverage. Yeah, I that's the first few we're getting. Ah, uh, yeah, I know. I mean, Duffy was doing it as well, so it's not anything yeah, it's, necessarily... I don't, listen, I don't listen to him. I only listen to Red <laughs> FM for crying out loud. I don't... don't okay. RT, I don't touch, no. But, yeah, I mean, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. And in your 70s, uh, it started? Yes. Well, no, no, I have uh, it. No, I mean, what, what I should say, in your 70s, you still have it? Oh, same as ever. The same as ever. I mean... I was with a friend one day, we were having lunch, and I just happened to get, as we called the flushes, and she was mesmerized, she was sitting opposite me, the sweat was pouring off my face, though I always carry a little muslin cloth in my bag that I can mop off the sweat, pouring off my hand, she said she never saw the like of it in her life. Because of your age, she said? Yeah, yeah, and that's only a couple of years ago. And has it but, been that way consistently from 47 to your 70s? No, 42. 42. 42. And of course, you know, the first thing I thought about was, oh, thank God I'm finished with periods. I would take them back any day, Neil. Yeah. You know, you think you're granted free then not to have that, you know, it's part of, of a woman's makeup and that's fine. But, you know, it's a nuisance, I suppose, more than anything. But yet the menopause and... It is absolutely horrendous. And, and, and back then, of course, when you were 42, which is the bones of over 30 years ago, so we're talking about, um, you know, not, not too long ago, but I imagine it wasn't spoken about. Oh, God, no. Even my mother, no, and God help us, we didn't know anything about the menopause. But every so often you'd see her face going red and her neck, and you'd go to the kitchen and open the back door. It could be snowing out, but to try and cool down. And we'd... And my mother was 81 when she died, and yeah. she was still getting them. My God almighty. It's, you know, they, they, talk it, they, they talk about it as being a change, but not, you, that, you expect it to have a, a time limit, as, a, as in, you know, it will pass, and then you'll get on with the, what they call the second spring. Yeah, well, that, well, unfortunately, it never happened to me, and it never happened to my mother before me. 
But, you know, and it is, and it's very embarrassing. I mean, I wouldn't go out because, you know, you could be talking to somebody one minute and the next thing this happens and the perspiration is pouring off you. You want to go into a nice bath to try and cool down. And the night times are the worst. Night sweating. No, all the night sweats. I mean, I put a big bath towel on the lower sheets and over the mattress every night because I wouldn't be able to change the bed every day. And is that every single night? Oh, every single night. Every single night. And do you sleep through it or are you waking constantly? uh, No, I can sleep, but, you know, I do have sleeping tablets and I don't regularly take them. But if I'm so exhausted, I will. But get up in the morning and my pyjamas is absolutely soaked. Mm, mm. So I have to get out of that straight away. But Were you on HRT for a period and then stopped? I was. And, uh, I was. Yeah, because I'm hearing that a lot more women now, older women are going back on HRT. Yeah, I did exactly that. No, my doctor was sceptical about giving it to me. And I said, look, I don't live anymore. I exist. And if I, it shortens my life. I don't mind at this hour of my life. If I have any quality of life at all, I take it. So, well, you know, she did the routine checkup and she did give it to me. But, you know, it's people just don't understand it. You can't talk to anybody about it. Were you ever sitting across from somebody where that happened with them and you were there? No. It's always been you. You, Yeah. 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 Now, you would, but they started maybe for the first year, maybe two years. Some people have it only maybe for a couple of months and it's, it's all over. I mean, oh, I'm just wondering if, if women sit across from women and they see what's happening to them, the, you know, the hot flushes and, the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the, the sweating and what have you, would they ever say, um, would they ever give words of encouragement and say, you know, I, I've been there, I know what it's like, don't be embarrassed? Or did they just remain silent about it? Well, the that time now, I was walking and I walked in, in laundry and I had told the girls about it. It was all women in laundry. Yeah. And I would just say, look, if I have to leave the till, you know, you could be on the till, the fitting room or the, the floor. And if I was on the till or the fitting room, I would say, oh, my God. And I just sign off and somebody else would just take over straight away. Well, would you have told them the reason why? Oh, God, yes. Well, yeah. a lot of, there was a lot of people now. They wouldn't be quite my age, but they wouldn't be young. Okay, okay. And they under, no, they didn't understand how I was still getting them at that age. You know, I was in my 60s then. How's your memory or your concentration oh, and recall yeah. and things? Very bad. I was convinced, Neil, I was getting dementia. And I am convinced. And then when I heard this program that you had mm. my god I said maybe I don't have dementia maybe you know it's all part of this yeah but when I started the HRT there was you know the fear that you'd get breast cancer it, it was a side effect no I was I it is because uh, Dr. Mary Ryan who's an endocrinologist uh, says that you are not getting dementia it's all hormone imbalance can be extremely distressing, but it's not Alzheimer's or dementia. Well, do you know, did I take, I mean, oh my God, what that did for me, that maybe I'm not losing my mind. No, no. Because no. as people who say to me, Phil, you, 
a brain a sharp as a razor blade. Would you forget things, or what, what? How was it affecting yes, the memory? I do. I could be in the middle of a conversation, and then all of a sudden, I'd forget what I was talking about. Now I don't go out anymore. Haven't done. Have been in holidays for over twelve years, and. Uh, so to, uh, people that I know and there are very few now left and they'd understand it you know because I've told them and I'd say oh my god I'm after forgetting what were we talking about and yeah. was they say it yeah. and it was, that was fine but you can't say that to somebody that you meet out if you're out Actually, Emma Hearn was saying last week that she found it difficult. She was 37 at the time, through 38, 39, 40, 41, she's 42 now. She says, I found it difficult to concentrate. Um, It was impacting my confidence. She said, I could be mid-sentence and completely completely lose my train of thought, which I found embarrassing. I had to write down uh, collection times for the kids. I had to put alarms in my phone so I wouldn't forget things. Yeah, yeah, but I heard that. I said, oh, Jean, Mary and Joseph, I yeah. said, I, you know, maybe it's not what I, maybe, no, maybe I do, I am starting to mention, I don't know, no, but no. it just. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be living with that worry, you know, I would think. Oh, uh, no, after your program, yeah. I'd tell you the consolation I got from it. Yeah. And now I'm back on the HRT. Would you get, Normally, did you, would, would, would your emotions be all over the place? Would you be overwhelmed? Would there be. Would you get annoyed or angry annoyed. or cry yes. for no reason? Yes. You know, I yeah. get upset. Yeah. It, yeah. Because I, I can't meet people. I really don't want to go out. And I have, I'd go maybe once in the blue moon. Um, or would I go to collect my pension? It could be every week, every two weeks, every three weeks. I would go to my beloved orchard bar then and I'd have one drink. And I'd be as happy as could be because I've seen different faces, a different place. They're just sitting here all day in my own place. I don't want to talk to about it. Yeah. And you can't, you really can't. It's very difficult to find somebody who wants to be listening to you unless they're in the same situation. Maybe. And has the hair, been, you know, the HRT treatment again, has that started again now? Uh, oh. Well, you see, I'm on a, on a still week need. It's too early, so is it? The HRT, I don't think, would kick in that all right. at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm hoping if it doesn't, well, then I'll have to go back to my original thought. But I'm hoping, and yet confusion, you know, memory, uh, embarrassment. What is the perimenopause? I've it's, never heard it's, of that. It's early. It's early. It's pre-menopause. Perimenopause, oh, perimenopause, perimenopause begins several years before menopause. It's the start. Okay. You know, it's the um, it's it's the it's the ovaries starting to make less estrogen, and it'll be overly complicated. But but it would usually start in a woman in her forties or the latter half of their forties, apparently. But as we've yeah. clearly seen, women do start earlier or, sometimes. You know, yeah, or if they have a history hysterectomy they go straight into menopause yeah yeah. they say the perimenopause can can last up to seven years and then menopause officially kicks in um, after that period of time um, I think I think what? I think I think menopause kicks in officially when periods stop yes well, does that make that any sense happened to, to me yeah. oh it does of course it yeah. does because I know people younger than me but they, still, they don't have it now. I mean, people that would be my age know that I knew then. 
but just mine is continuous. But the list of, they call them symptoms. I think that they're not actually symptoms at all. They're a consequence of, of menopause. The symptoms is like, there's 20 or 30 of them. Um, but the one thing to remember though, and, and Emma was saying this last week, was that she thought that she was all alone, that there was something wrong with her. Yes. And of course that isn't the case. It's a lack of information and support is the problem, you know. That was exactly my thinking when I heard the word on your program. I was shocked. All right. Okay. I well, was glued to need, and it was wonderful. Well, you need but, to you need to come back again in a few weeks' time to see if the HRT is making a difference. Oh, I will, of course, Neil. Yeah, and and, le- and Phil, for, from my, my from my perspective, you're always sharp as a fi- as a pin. Don't be worried about oh. that. You know your concentration, your ability to communicate, and the things you have to say. You're very succinct. You're to the point. I think you're. I think oh. you're sharp as a pin. I'd love to be you in my seventies. So well done in that regard. Oh well, that's that's very. That's just that's just my own opinion on it. Anyway, I know, but yeah. thanks for that. That means a lot. Don't be me. thinking about losing your train of thought. You've never lost it with me. Fair play, and you're oh, live on radio. Oh, yeah, you're yeah. special, right, me? I'll talk to you later. Come back again soon. Cheers for now. Oh, actually, Phil, 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 Phil. Yes. I have a lovely Sorry. gift set because Peggy and Crowley's. Make sure you stay listening. She's got a wonderful company called Ground wellbeing.com and she has some beautiful beautiful sprays lovely rosewood and lavenders and she's got CBD balm oils and all sorts of beautiful products uh, many of them with with menopause in mind so I have a lovely box set here for you okay stay on hold I want to get this box set to you as a gift all right Oh, listen, thanks very much. Not at all. Okay. Thank you. All right. Cheers for now, Phil. Back after the break. Talk to Peggy. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. And you can always email neil at uh, redfm.ie. I ran out of time at the back end of last week with regards to my chat with uh, Peggy and Crowley. And then Monday was World Menopause Day and I didn't get an opportunity at that stage. But Peggy did send me some beautiful products from a range of products and rejoins me by phone. Peggy Good morning again. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Very well. Thank you for those lovely gifts, one of which I'm going to give to Phil and a couple of them are going to give away on air. So thank you for them. Uh, we, we chatted about the business side of, of your life and setting up the business and following your dream. But, but with regards to that, it was probably prompted by menopause itself and you, and you, and you going through menopause, was it? No, it actually, that's come after. The menopause focus is really only since the summer. And it was really, you know, and even as I'm talking to you here now, Neil, um, it, it's, if you had told me pre-COVID that I would set up my own business and it would be thriving, but that I would be on Neil Prendville talking about my own menopause experience, I wouldn't have believed you for 100, for 100 years, I wouldn't. Yeah. But to be here now and to just say where I'm at with it and how... If it helps anyone else, that is the main focus. But basically what happened... The original spa range of products was for hotels and spas, wasn't it? Yeah, it was... Well, it was really just self-care. It's about learning to ritualise and build time into the day to move yourself into being and relaxation so that your body sleeps well and that you recover on the day and you manage stress. And So it's really centred around self-care and tuning into yourself. And, and getting as balanced as you possibly can to be, you know, a good father or a good mother or if it's for children, children with anxiety. But when this happened to me, so basically I was, um, I had to have one ovary taken out in emergency surgery in September last year. Mm. So um, 13 months ago. And when I had it taken out, I had a chat with the gynae and I said, and I kind of was half hoping, I was like, does this mean I only get a period? 
every two months hoping for a bonus card in it. And he said, no, the other ovaries should compensate and everything should be fine. Now, this was September and I was due to launch the brand in November in Brown Thomas. So I was up to my neck in preparing product and packaging and launch and marketing. Um, so I just busied myself and I felt brilliant after the surgery because I'd been unwell up to that point. So I burned on, launched in November. By December, I felt very fatigued. By January, I woke up and my essential oils were stuck in customs with Brexit. And I kind of had one knock after another. And I found by March and April, I wasn't thinking straight. I felt like my brain had lost its sharpness right. and I wasn't, I'd open up my to-do list and it would overwhelm me where normally I'd just power on. And there was moments where I'd be, I couldn't remember a word. I'd be telling my daughter to put on her radiator instead of her coat and I'd be kind of laughing really? myself, but, I, but at the back of my head I'd be like, God, that's not what's happening to your brain. And then I'd start overthinking relationships. I'd start, I just, I lost confidence. And basically in May, I, a bit like Phil, lovely Phil, who I was listening to, um, I listened to Joe Duffy on the radio and I heard it and I booked an appointment with my doctor, my GP, who hadn't been involved with emer- in emergency surgery. So I just sat down with her and I said, I think I actually, it's horm- I'm hoping it's hormonal and nothing more serious. And she did the bloods. And sure enough, my estrogen had dropped um, to less than half. And that's because... In, if you don't mind me saying so, in, in like your mid-40s, earlier? Yes, I'm 45 next month. Okay. So, and, and to me, now, Neil, I, menopause was something I knew nothing about. It was something unsexy that was going to happen when I was 50 or 55 I'd have a couple of hot flushes, I'd have a giggle about it, and that would be it. And, and, for, really, some, and for some, that's all it is, but I imagine they're in the minority. Yeah, for some it is, and, and, and you know what, lucky are they, and for others, it's debilitating, and they think, you know, I could have gone to my doctor and been signed, given antidepressants and made feel I was in a different sphere and, and not be able to manage it. The beauty of knowing what it is set me to work, because if self-care is what I do and help others do, um, it's a case of building up a recipe of what, you know, how to help people through managing their habits at work, their stress triggers, movement, managing stimulants like coffee and, and chocolate and, and alcohol. And like Neil, I love to polish off a bottle of wine at the weekend with my friend. It wasn't agreeing with me anymore. It just didn't suit me. So sugar what way? trigger. Just the next day, I'd feel very low. I wouldn't feel like my normal bounce back or... Just processing, what, what I've found is, and with anything to do with self-care is, you're trying to move your body into balance. The body loves to be in balance and hormone regulation is what is what manages that. And hormones are very sensitive to things we eat. They're sensitive to how much movement and how much daylight and good fresh air we get. They're very much triggered by imbalance, by stress, and yes, but the you know, but the imbalances caused by perimenopause hormonal. and indeed menopause, which is all hormonal, they hammer every part of your life, yes. mental, mental and physical. I mean, right down and to emotional, you know, yeah. night sweats and the flushes and the dizziness and the concentration, irritability, anxiety, panic attacks, yeah. rage. You know, yeah. your poor concentration, pains and aches and joints, loss of hair. There is a connection between how well you are in your body. You know, whether I look back now and I think, was I burning out? And did that make it, did that, did that heighten it more? You know, there are other things around it which can make it better and worse. And it's really, do you know what, for me, I'm inspired. Um, Anne O'Leary of Vodafone in the workplace, she's put together an amazing toolkit for women and for men because 
your your sister, your mother, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, you must be educated on this because it, it will affect you as a husband or as a father or as a son, this will affect you. So she's put together this brilliant toolkit and I love you for your stats and she has some amazing stats here. 62%, nearly two thirds of women who experienced menopause symptoms said that this impacted them at work and 33% of them were too ashamed to bring this to light at work. Yeah, and there so is it, impacts, it impacts all at work, of course. Yeah, 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 and it's, it's and, it's, and, and that stat is amazing because it means that you know it affects it impacts everybody, but yet they still don't have information. And are they are they slow or embarrassed to bring up the topic? No, and they need to have support. And some people will be deeply private about this. I've decided to come out and talk about it because for me, they're almost you know the way you have a smear test, and that smear test that you're scheduled in for as a woman. That must come with a meeting about menopause, not because at 38 or, you know, at a certain age, a woman should be sat down with a smear test and just said, please be mindful of these symptoms. Keep an eye on them. And also by moving and by reducing sugar, you will you will mind yourself more through this transition. It is a change. I'm so sorry to hear Phil is still struggling. That would break my heart. Um, but I also think a lot of people aren't affected, which is fine. But people who are, just that they know that they are not to lose confidence on this, confidence on this, and there are ways naturally to manage it. There are ways through HRT to manage it, and there's loads. And I think most importantly for men and women in the workplace, I think where I feel strongest about this, Neil, is that we're equal to men, you know, and we fight for our pay, and and but we're. We're different. We're biologically different, and we, our lives move in cycles. And sometimes we're held to ransom by these hormones. And sometimes it's PMS, and you're just cranky and cross. And a few days later, you get your period, and you think, "Oh, I, that's what it was. I was just out of out of sorts." And mm-hmm. I, I kind of equate it with women driving cars with gears, and men being in in automatics. We have different gears, and when we're in the wrong gear. It affects us. And, and tell me now why you bring men into this equation. Is it that men aren't um, as no, sympathetic or as aware, work- as tuned in? No. I think in the workplace, because the, the hormones, sometimes they're happening to us and we don't even know that that's why we're... Like, it's different with PMS because you get a period. It's different when you're pregnant and after you have your baby for a few months, you're out of balance, you're in the wrong gear and it kicks back in again. And you know it's because you were pregnant. With menopause, it hasn't happened yet. The pausing of your periods hasn't happened. You're in peri, you're symptomatic, there's fluctuations, you're up and down. But no one has told you that until you get your blood done. And even when you have your blood done, Neil, they're not as accurate as you'd like them to be. They don't tell a full story because there's so many other factors at play. So why I'm saying men and women, like women leaders in business, they need to learn this because no matter what age they are, they will have women in the workplace. I mean, women over 45 are making up... um, I think I have the stat here now. Um, it's the fastest growing demographic in the labour force. Well, Emma, Emma Herm is 37 and you would have had a 37-year-old in the workplace with uh, extreme bloating um, and panic yeah. attacks that she had stomach cancer, for instance. And needing support, needing huge support. And it's in the workplace. For me, where I feel strongly is you have the government running initiatives, enticing girls and students into STEM and science and technology, which is a male-dominated industry, which is great for girls, and I'm delighted for them. But these workplaces need to have support mechanisms where they onboard women after having children, and you don't have to hit the ground running 
and live in a stress cycle competing in an arena where we're different. We're just biologically yeah. different. No, I understand. I understand. Uh, and, and, and it needs to be continually improved because, you know, men, men shouldn't have an issue with women in the workplace or men should not have an issue with women coming up through the different levels of, of, of employment and, and doing really well in their careers. They really shouldn't because they're actually doing a disservice to their children and their, their daughters mm-hmm. and their daughters' daughters, you know? Mm-hmm. Like they really, they really are. It's, it's, it's not about a strange woman or a woman you don't know in the workplace. By pulling together, it's for your daughter and your granddaughter. Yeah, and your wife and your mother. It's just supporting half the population yeah, and, as and they go through but no, their but changes. What I'm saying is it's, it's actually very personal to men uh, to be yeah. on board for this. You know? Yeah. Yeah, mm. Davina McCall had a brilliant documentary on Netflix that every every man should watch just to under, just to get a kind of an insight into this so as they're honouring the women in their lives, just to get an honouring, yeah. Because yeah. no one has been told. You know, I only discussed this with my mother. I never knew what she was going through. It was so private and personal, and which is which served, it, it doesn't serve anyone. You know, it, talking about it and having a community support around it and support is really important. And why then do women have to pay for HRT? Um... Yeah, well, good question. Isn't I hadn't it? thought about that. I'll have to get up on a soapbox about that. No, no, but seriously. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's as much of an issue of period, as period poverty, and nor should women have yeah. to pay for that. I mean, it's expensive. Yeah and, yeah, and you also have a lot of debate across the UK and the US, um, where the US did a study that HRT can have links to breast cancer and so on. And, you know, it, it, people were nervous to go on HRT, but so much has changed. Um, so you really need to read up about it. Like on my Instagram, I'm now following, if you Google who I'm following and you put in doctor or menopause, you're going to find out these brilliant, this brilliant set of women who are pioneering change and opening up the conversation around everything. There's an excellent woman in Dublin called Catherine O'Keefe who held a summit in September called the Menopause Summit, which was Thrive and Succeed in Menopause, which is what you said earlier, you know, it's your second spring. You, we have to embrace this. We have to make friends with it. We have to equip ourselves. We must find others in the same space so we've common ground to discuss and share and, and laugh about it because it really is, these, these symptoms is our body whispering to us and then it starts to shout at us and it's out of balance and we just need to mind it back into balance as it takes its it's time into it. And Catherine's having another summit in May. I think it's the 21st. And I'm doing a workshop with her on the 7th of November. And it's really about breaking down the myths and talking in facts and data and getting strong together to, mm. to make our case in the workplace mm. and to be open and not in, not embarrassed by all this. Okay. I uh, encourage people to follow you on Instagram to get the latest updates there. So you began HRT treatment and, and, uh, and, and that has improved. No, 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 no because, because I was still having a period, because I still have one ovary, Perry. Um, it just pushed me into perimenopause. So perimenopause is the stage where it's fluctuating before yeah. menopause is when it stops. So I just got pushed into this arena earlier through surgery and she has put me on the pill. So it's a kind of a, a specialist pill to manage oestrogen dropping. And it's everyone will be so different. Some people will miss testosterone. So do you still have symptoms then? I'm no, I'm managing. I'm feeling a hell of a lot more like myself. I'm just, and it was slow, a bit like what Phil says. It takes, you know, okay. up to three months to get the balance right, and even then, you might have to go back and tweak. Or you just have to make it central to your world. In fact, when you're 
in this stage between your 40s and 50s, it's a tricky time because you, you might have young kids and you might have parents you need to look after and you're the last person on your own list. And yes, this is the one time in your life you have to move your body, you have to eat well, you have to tune in to what your stress triggers are and manage them. You, you have to not burn out at this time because yeah, it know. will make the I symptoms know. worse. Yeah, I know. Okay, so listen, um, thank you for the product, um, the gift boxes, and I have uh, three of them to give away. Um, Toga Bogge, The Change, Natural Aromatherapy Remedies. What are they? So with, with the CBD, is like getting a hug. It's just like a support in your system that, that softens all the rigid, frayed nerve endings that are making you rage or making you cross or making you feel unbalanced. And then ashwagandha is a beautiful Indian ginseng which also coats the receptors and the hormone receptors to soothe them. And then you have phytoestrogen plants like geranium, ylang-ylang and clary sage, which are just brilliant to plug into the female body and give us relief, whether it's, it's PMS or whatever. It just plugs into our biology really well. That's the balm. And then there's the sleepy pillow spray, which is the rosewood and lavender. Yeah, that's to get the sleep right, Neil. I have to be honest, when I lost, when I was, like, sleep is my currency. Like, I feel rich when I wake up after a good night's sleep. And I feel skint if I don't. And I feel I begrudge everything when I don't have my sleep. So, for me, getting the sleep right is key because it, it, it just is your it's your restoration, it's your repair, it's your everything falling into balance during the night and your blood being detoxified. So sleep is the key, really. Sleep is the healer, yeah. Okay, okay let us give those away. It's great to catch up and finish the conversation. If people want to follow Thank up you. on the product range that you have, of course, they can do that through groundwellbeing.com. Isn't that right? That's right. And okay. my name, if they want to come on to Instagram Peggy for who I'm following, is P-E-I-G-I-N Crowley. Um, no, but Neil, my website was like inundated over the weekend. I am so grateful to you, but most importantly for other women out there, I'm so grateful for you opening this up for okay. people Not to bother. talk about it. Not a bother. Thank stay you. in touch. Yeah? Do stay in touch. Take, take care, Neil. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Peggy. Bye. Lines open on that. one 104 106 Three gift box sets that are worth €55 Euro to give away. Now, let me just say, bear in mind if you're calling... Please be somebody that actually could use them uh, with regards to the conversation that I've had with, with Peggy, or if, if not you, for somebody you think it might make a difference to in their lives going through the symptoms that we have just spoken about. one 850 Just bear that in mind. Thank you. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. <laughs> With regards to that email yesterday from the mammy of the daughter who was called lazy, useless and evil by the teacher. Well done to mammy for marking that teacher's card. Uh, Texts on that. I'll come back to calls on that tomorrow. Some teachers and principals especially, principals especially, are not helpful at all. I'm having some issues myself at the moment. I'm furious. The rudeness and disrespect is horrible. Some are lovely and do go above and beyond. Not sure what issues you're having. I'm imagining you're a parent having an issue on behalf of a child. Regarding the teacher, I had a similar problem with my daughter's teacher a few years ago. Uh, The teacher was constantly putting her down and belittling her. Little or no regard for her mental health, I can tell you. My daughter came home every day crying and feeling like crap. I reported to the teacher and got my daughter moved to a different class where she thrived. Some teachers are in the wrong job and shouldn't be there, but it's nearly impossible for a teacher to lose their job 
as once they have a permanent position, they're pensionable for life. There's a lot of teachers out there in the wrong careers. It's interesting, actually. Why would a teacher pick on one particular child or teenager or girl or boy? Like, why? What's attracting? What, what signals are being given off by that young person? that that's the person that they're going to hone in on. I just don't get it. It must have, been, it must have also been upsetting for your daughter to have to leave that class. So she's thriving in the other one and it was the right thing to do. But she ultimately left friends and colleagues behind, didn't she? Uh, listening to you this morning about the child in school, I had the same problem a few years ago with my son and I took out a Section 29 against the school. Apparently it's some kind of an appeal. Please tell that lady not to be afraid to take on the school. They had no right to say that to the child. Well, wonder what the principal is to say on the matter. Regarding your email about the teacher in the school, not so long ago I was getting bullied by a teacher. Not so long ago I was getting bullied in school by a teacher. My family did call a meeting with the principal relating to the bullying of the teacher. It didn't help. Eventually my family put a complaint into the Board of Education and got the teacher sacked. Sacked, I'll be darned. I went on to have uh, a lot of health issues that then led to counselling twice a week from the age of 11 to 16 years old because of it. It didn't really affect my overall schooling, not really, as some of the teachers were very kind and helpful. Others would have me sitting in the back of the classroom and let me do what I liked because I'm from the travelling community. And I was constantly told, you're going to leave school at 16 anyway, what's the point in teaching you? I'm now employed in a primary school as an SNA and an after-school Ordinator. My point is, no teacher should ever tell you you are useless or evil or anything other than being called nice things. She should absolutely, absolutely report this as it won't only affect how the child's learning is. Um, it'll affect lots more impact in her life. It will have a huge impact on our well-being and how she values herself when she gets older. Please don't give out my details. Thanks, Neil. Well, thank you for getting in touch. And I'm so glad that you thrived and that you got on with your life in spite of what happened to you. Uh, and again, all, all of this came from your heritage, your back now, background, your ethnicity, if you like, being from the travelling community, to be told by a teacher, what's the point in teaching you? You're going to leave at 16 anyway. Well, you know what happened? You showed that teacher up, didn't you? And well done for it. Our lines will stay open. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. If you'd like to share by email, simple email, Neil at redfm.ie Eva Moynihan Upper Ardmore Passage West off to the jazz get in there for 4 o'clock you'll have a long entertaining day at the Metropole from 4 o'clock on Friday we'll have more tickets tomorrow have a good day see you tomorrow thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content